What is up, people? It is Dave, it is Duncan, it is Kyle back on the Metal Epidemic podcast, episode number 30, coming at you in your ears for another month. Duncan, don't give me that face. <laughs> we are back for another episode of um, of nonsense, really. But um, guys, how are you doing? How, do how, how are we this evening? <laughs> Hard-lived life stories and anecdotes across the eons abound on episode number 30. <laughs> I have not been drinking. No, he hasn't. This is what happens so when yourself. I don't have a drink when we record. It's the only show I drink when I record. Yeah. So I've kind of got in my head Wednesday, technically as a school night, but I treat it like it's not. Wednesday's my Saturday. Right. Uh, but not tonight. Not tonight, tonight was a was a, a cup of um, dry. dry Wednesday. Hmm? Dry Wednesday. It was dry Wednesday. Um, and more ways than one. Uh, so <laughs> tell you who's not dry right now, my man Kyle. He's getting all that anniversary sex. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anniversary <laughs> sex is great because it's that moment when you and your partner are like that. Remember, we used to shag three times a day. <laughs> no. Let, let's, let's, let's do that again and then do it once in like. This is why we don't do it for a year. Um, so. <sighs> My feet still hurt. Yeah. <laughs> if they don't, you're doing it wrong. Right? Yeah. Everything aches, man. It's been a slippery weekend. Oh, okay. Easy now. Okay, okay, okay. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. That's why I'm drinking so much water. <laughs> Always keep hydrating. We've got to rehydrate, Kyle. Yeah. Always the hydration. Dry in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what's happening yeah. here? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't. Tell you, my legs are also hurting, Duncan, for all those goddamn gigs we've been attending. That, Ooh. ladies and gentlemen, is... Well, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, that could also be why your legs are sore. From riding that segue into that section. Um, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Let's be honest. That was a balancing act, wasn't I, it? I hate segues. Like, who, who thought, you know what? Let, let's, no. Let, let, someone literally said, you know what? Let's make a mode of transportation that forces you to stand. Mm. See, when I'm well, transported like somewhere, I want to sit. Yeah. Took the fun out of it, Dave. They took the fun out of it. <laughs> Fuck the segue. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we have been, Dave. We've, 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 we've been to one or two. No, actually four since the last time we recorded. Four gigs. We've done True. how many interviews? Four interviews? One, two, three. Yeah, four. Yeah, I, know. I, I just didn't pull that out of mass. I actually yeah. knew the answer before I asked it. Uh, it was rhetorical, Dave. Uh, no, even though I mentioned your name. Even well I asked you a question. It was a rhetorical question that I asked you. Nice. Uh, yeah, so we've been, uh, we've been a lot. We've seen a lot of great live music as well. Oh. We've been oh. spoiled, actually. We've really been My spoiled. God. The only gig that wasn't great was the one that we mentioned on the last pod when Young Ross was here and he was mm. given one job. And that one job was do not let the cat house fuck up the death metal sound and what did the cat house do it <laughs> fucked up the death metal sound, sound fucked, yeah. up. fucked up yep um how do you fuck up a death metal sound it's easy it's no, apparently not in maybe the cat, the cat house, house are just not in the cat house yeah <clears throat> the interview was great um yes. we spoke to josh from cattle decapitation lovely guy lovely gentleman 
Um, it was it was maybe a little bit um, <laughs> distracted. Is the word distracted? Distracted. He was transferring a large sum of money using like bank transfer wires over like three different countries using when he described it to me what seemed like less than legit means. Um, <laughs> and uh, he lost his Wi-Fi connection twice during the point where it starts to send and was you know visibly concerned that mm. and he was telling us if <laughs> if it's not confirmed within a certain time period or you don't raise a dispute. What that and it's like in an hour, that money's gone. Yeah. <laughs> we and we just strolled in right at the time that he's in the middle of this and we we're like, hey Josh, ready for that interview? Yeah, we, like... we, we wanted to talk about his tour and his album. Yeah. And as you can imagine, he was maybe a little bit stressed. It was, it was. Yeah. But after a few minutes, he settled in the interview. <laughs> after a few minutes, a stiff drink. Um, <laughs> yeah. A wee back rub, he was fine. It was all good. We back rub, we front rub, always good. <laughs> In the world, and did, did we get that on camera? <laughs> Not on that, that video. That's <laughs> right. on the Patreon. Paywall. Um, but yeah, really good interview. Um, yeah, sound in the cat house. Come on, let's be honest. It was shit. Shit was pretty bad. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I think uh, we hadn't been to a gig for for a few months um, or longer. When was yeah, which was decapitated the, the yeah, decapitated at the start of the year, which was like they are a death metal band and they played yeah. the classic grand and sounded fucking amazing. Oh, yeah. So when you go for that. You had that in your head for the last gig and then you went into that. It was a bit like, oh. Yeah, it was worse than I remember. Like, the Not thing great. is, like, I'd like, and I've seen bands at the Cat House that sound great, mm. but almost every death metal band I've seen in the Cat House has sounded shit. And you have yeah. a memory of how it sounds mm. and you actually hear it and you look across at the sound guy and the sound engineer is, like, too busy, like, conducting the band and air drumming. And I'm like, <laughs> fix the fucking sound, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Eyes on the prize, man. Yep. But um, yeah, went from that gig to <laughs> oh <my> God, unbelievably, <laughs> it was the, too much. <laughs> the cat house and cattle decap. Now you think that's a pretty heavy gig. We went to oh, um, Slay in in Glasgow. Never for been to a... the venue before. No. Didn't know what it was. Um, yeah. Ross had said it was a pretty decent venue. I will say, Ross, you're a filthy liar. It's a fucking great venue. The sound yeah. was immaculate. Yeah really good um and we saw um a triple bill of playgrounded on first who we've reviewed we reviewed that when the heavy matters guys were on with us from well then they they were very good they were excellent live actually um, i said to you dave that i preferred them live to their album yeah yeah definitely um that was then followed up (laughs) by (laughs) denmark's llnn who are heavier live than they are on cd yeah what that is is not possible you'd think but somehow what no i'm not even i i I shit you not they are heavier live than they are and you look at there's only there's right there's a like synth guy at the side he's pressing buttons that's cool yeah. right? but, the, but you take him out of the equation there's only three guys yeah. there and the sound mm. is fucking destroying oh, no. like unbelievably heavy unbelievably yeah. in fact there was one song where the guitarist put his guitar down mm. and it was just bass drum and synth and that's it was right. even heavier yeah yeah no guitars <laughs> It was even heavier. Like the oh, sound yeah. was even fucking. And I was looking at Dave and I'm like, that. Like <laughs> physics is out the window now. We're like in a different world. It yep. was so fu- And they were so good live. Yep. So good live. Oh, yep. holy fucking shit. 
Yep. Um, they were then followed by the headliner, which was the ocean. Um, <laughs> Who were from Germany. In fine form. Now, there's a story behind this, right? <laughs> the story behind this is... Oh, man, right. So, like... Oh. What, what, before you jump in here, the story behind this is Dave was not a patient man this night. Uh, so we were supposed to be interviewing the ocean, right? So, yeah. We are supposed band, to be interviewing LLNN and yeah. the ocean. Yeah. And um, at, like, everyone's like, it must be great to go to Googs and interview all these bands. It's very stressful because you, <laughs> like promoters, and I love you all promoters, but what you do is you give us an email and a number and it sounds like most of the time the the tour manager isn't aware that you're doing what you're doing because there's been a lack of communication or as in a story we'll tell later on we're given the wrong number um so <laughs> but anyway dave phoned no no he, he messaged he emailed. i was told to text yeah i was told to text. text text again text. text again so we're sitting outside the venue and then dave's oh. like that i'm gonna find this cunt on whatsapp <laughs> and it was robin from the ocean a guy that we've interviewed before who is Super fucking nice, like yeah. super super nice. So it's a guy in the band, yep. the band that we're in, like in the band. So we so thought Dave's, that would be much easier to deal with. No, no Dave, tour manager, straight to the band. Dave is being impatient as fuck, and he's getting he's getting angrier the longer we're sitting there, right? And he gets to the point where he's like, "That you know what? I'll phone this guy." And I'm like, "Dave, come on, like that." He's like, no, "I'm going to phone him. I've got his number." So he phones him. Goes through to a, a German voicemail, obviously. <laughs> um, doesn't leave a voicemail. Instead, gets really angry. Um, and then we go... But before we went in the door, all I said to Dave is, you're going to feel really fucking shitty if you find that one of the band members has died or something. <laughs> <laughs> so we go into the venue. We watch all the bands. The Ocean come out on stage. And the first thing they do is apologise because their keyboard player has had an accident which severed his hand... What the and fuck? And he was getting medical attention. I think the glass shower door or something smashed. It sit like so. He was basically getting medical treatment, which is why the band were all stressed. Was why Robin wasn't answering anything. Like so. so basically, he had, had to get all of his his keyboard parts onto a laptop to yeah. play live. Basically, they wanted yeah. to put that in the in the through the PA because he was a lot of their songs have interlinked <clears throat> sections where he is playing. Yeah. Like kind of freestyling so they can tune their instruments and change yeah. transitions essentially, which mm. they didn't have. So they were literally and in fairness, it did make very funny stories because they like finished their first song which sounded fucking huge. And then they were like that, they're like, right, just imagine there's some keyboards playing some whimsical music right now. It's really nice. Oohs, ahs, and everyone's like, ooh, and he's like, Yeah, yeah, you like this bit that's playing right now. Like fucking desperately trying to teach his guitar. So they could kick it to the next song. And about halfway through the set, their keyboard player arrived visibly bandaged on his hand <laughs> i'm making dave feel pretty shitty about this and then i said to dave i was like you are aware he's going to text you like in a day's time or two days time or that day he's not going to fucking text me he's going to be a different country what did you get dave <laughs> it may have whatsapp me uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were really good live though once yeah. again really 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 good live um, and to be fair he did offer it was like he offered a, a phone interview. It was like, really sorry. We had lot, so much stuff going on. Um, just didn't have a time to basically get back to you. <laughs> but um, that interview would have been up there with a the guy that was panicking about Liz. And I was like, maybe this is how bands do interviews now. Yeah. Maybe there has to be tragedy right before an interview now <laughs> yeah. or it can't happen. Um, yeah. So, But the, the ocean, great. Uh, LLNN, do not sleep on oh, them. If you get wow. a chance, fucking going to easily easily the way i've described them live is they are a cross between conan 
and author and Punisher, if you put those two bands together and put them out, and somehow just as heavy as both bands, mm. I don't know if they're, they might be heavier than Conan. Yeah, I was thinking about this. I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's like so close. It's a ball here. We need it's to see Conan here. again live. Yeah, I think yes, that's please. why this is I would love to see Conan again. I'm only, I mean, for I'm, the only, first time. I'm giving Conan, <laughs> I'm giving Conan the advantage because they they literally smashed glasses. Yeah, yeah, um, they so, smashed the glass. So um, I'm leaning towards them, but it's very close. So that was good, and then yeah. we were like, "What tragedy will follow us next?" Um, so much heaviness, Duncan. There was so much heaviness. Yeah, we needed to rein it in a little bit, just yeah. a little bit. We needed to get the paces out and rubber tits. <laughs> Rob, our tits. Yeah, not our tits. tits. No, 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 no. Although, I think someone grabbed a grabbed a feel when she was like crowd surfing and all oh, the rest, right. and that's why she like she she had some sort of thing when she was on stage about touching her arse or something. I was like, "What's happening here? <laughs> uh, I'm on the back." Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so then we went. It's to... Not my arms that are that long. <laughs> <laughs> go go <laughs> gadget arm. <laughs> why is this not working? <laughs> Yeah, then went to um, Stereo uh, just last week to see Nor- Norway's Blood Command um, headline, um, their uh, death pop, as they class themselves. It's basically like a it kind of death pop, pop rock. I mean, it is, like, yeah. um, I fucking loved that album. I shouldn't have, but I did, really did. did. Yeah. Like, like, they are... They're a riot, man. I fucking riot. love them. I love them. So... Uh, we arrived the day the queen died (laughs) and we've basically been told like gigs were i think things were being cancelled but because they officially announced it like after six o'clock at night you Mm. could but had it been announced before like three like venues and everything would have closed them Uh, so much so we bumped into young ross uh who'd been sent home from his work he was like literally taking a call on air from some punter talking about football and he was like that sorry Steve, um, <laughs> we've just found out the Queen's died. We're just going to terminate the call. Uh, right, we're going off here now. Bye. Um, and then he, he, he was he was at the door. So, um, so yeah, we got to, to interview uh, Nikki and the guy's name who I can't pronounce. Mm. The main dude. So what I didn't realise is Blood Command is really just one guy who writes yeah. everything um, and records it. He records it all himself um, and does everything because he's a really talented guy. Um, and we got to interview them and they were a fucking riot yeah. to, to chat to. Like just everything you wanted in an interview, super fun and all the rest and so much fun on stage. I mean, yeah. they were playing to what can only be described as a fairly wet, lukewarm Glasgow crowd. The, the crowd was shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, through sheer force of will, and she's a small woman. She mm. maybe what five two, if that. Yeah. Diminutive in stature, through sheer force of will and Aussie attitude, and that's Aussieism from Australia, not Sharon. Um, <laughs> right, like literally, fucking fired up that crowd. So by the end of it, everyone was jumping, everyone yep. was in there, everyone was having a ball, and she was fucking great. And they were fucking great that's mm-hmm. a party band if ever i've seen one yeah yep. so good live yeah um interview went live on your youtube channel today oh so check that shit out duncan yep. chatting with the band you'll hear really me uh really struggle with the word armageddonism <laughs> yes. uh, right at the end which i joked with them i was like that i was like it's really difficult to say if you're a scotsman to which she then said on stage later on, I love the fact that the Scots can't say Armageddonism. And then they pointed at me and was like, you fucking did this. And everyone's like, aye, we can. And they, But then they twisted it 
and then he started doing um, what I can only describe as William Wallace impression. You know, Mel Gibson like trees Armageddonism, yep. <laughs> um, which in fairness. <laughs> I, I'll let them off with. But yeah, I, I do make a cunt of myself at the end of that interview, but it was a ton of fun to chat to them. Yeah, very good. And then the final gig, um, which just basically just annihilated me. Um, my favourite gig of the year so far. Oh, it's, it was fucking outstanding. Yeah. Uh, um, again, it was, wasn't, <laughs> there wasn't a lack of stress uh, from that whole gig either. You know what I mean? Just um, the usual kind of, trying to get in touch with different people and get interviews and you stuff know, set that's up. Easy. It's easy to get in touch with people, Dave, when you have the right telephone number. Well, this is also true. <laughs> Turns out I had the wrong phone number for the tour manager. You must have jotted it down wrong then. Obviously. 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 Yeah, um, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be anyone else's fault. I was I was texting and <laughs> WhatsApp and some random person out there is getting messages from me asking like where they are. I'm, I'm at the merch stall. Where are you? And they're just like, what? What is this guy all about? Who is this guy? Um, but anyway, we, we, we eventually tracked down the tour manager. These Nigerian uncle messages are getting really sophisticated. <laughs> it's really something going, yeah, I'm a merch stall too. But where are you? <laughs> so it's like, I am a Nigerian general. You've got a million pounds. They've switched to, I'm at the merch stall in the classic grand. Where are you? <laughs> um, yeah, so we went to see um, Impure Wilhelmina, uh, Mole and Cripple Black Phoenix at the classic grand in glasgow um eventually got everything sorted out um tour manager was lovely um sorted us right out giving us times um the, the cripple black phoenix an interview time kind of kept changing because there was things going on with the band yeah. um but first we we got to speak to uh, first actually first we, we, we got to witness impure wilhelmina to a very small crowd in glasgow at this like point six changed, people or seven people i think yeah. by about changed the door song. times yeah to earlier so we think that people maybe didn't realize that the the doors had opened early so the band were on early um not a lot of people in there but it meant i had loads of space to take photos because <laughs> davy was, was, davy was living it. his best life I'm, I'm <laughs> only like, photographer like we were chatting we were, not, we were chatting yesterday and you're like that yeah i've got like 600 photographs to process from three bands and i was like that you didn't take any photos of cripple black phoenix you were like neither i did <laughs> dave <laughs> took 600 photos of two bands <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, I was trigger happy that night. Oh, just I mean, give me your sexy seat. Give me your sexy seat. Smolder, smolder. The, the, <laughs> this was the first gig that the lighting was just spot on. Like there was, it wasn't just like fucking red lights everywhere. They had some nice white lighting on their faces. It was so good, man. I was loving it. But anyway, Impure Wilhelmina, fantastic live bands. Yeah, like yeah. for an really, open really band, good. they yeah. were fucking awesome. His voice. Really good. Remember when we reviewed them back, back in the day. And yeah. we were talking about his vocals, and I was like, "His vocals are just, oh, they're just fucking, they're lush. It's really, 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 really kind of beautiful sounding voice." I wonder if he can do that live. Turns out, yes, yes, he can do that live, yep. as if it's nothing. Yeah, <laughs> as if it's absolutely that he's fucking so good live. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, we've peaked, Dave. We're peaked. Yeah, we've peaked. We've peaked." Um, and then we got to witness. <laughs> my album of the year yeah. last year i got to see it live and in the flesh um mole um playing tracks from diorama and yord 
and that was just phenomenal. Just so <laughs> fucking good, man. The snare so drum, good. like they've come up from taking oh, photographs, and yeah. literally the first thing I said to him was like that. I was like, that fucking snare drum feels like it's behind my eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a right, really punchy, sharp, almost yeah. Saint Anger, but not quite snare drum. Um, yeah. And oh. of course, it's all blast beats. Yeah. Like so, he's bloody so. Sound was awesome as well. Fucking tight live, so tight live. Yeah. Um, and he that's is. once again the argument, dude. The argument for why it's worth, I don't know, spending a little time and actually maybe producing your black metal music. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. It's always good to appreciate music when you can differentiate between everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. Damn but yeah, right. they were very fucking sure. good live. He, his really vocals, oh, Kim on, Kim's <laughs> his vocals were unbelievable. But just what a front man! Like yeah. what a presence on energy. stage. Yeah. Energy live. Energy. He was just in the zone. Like he was just locked in. Like you could tell by his face, he was just in a, a different place from everyone else, and just like delivering this performance was unbelievable. Um, so we've been told that the mall interview was going to be after they'd played. Yep. So they basically came off stage. They got their gear, they came up to the merch stall, and then it was like, right, we're ready for an interview. And this was the last night of the tour as well, so they'd just done 17 dates, basically. So, like, I was worried they were going to be, like, slightly low on energy after all that. Um, but we figured out we couldn't, there was nowhere to record in the venue because um, Cripple Black Phoenix were about to come on. So we're like, we'll just and, put the... and for some reason, someone in their infinite wisdom in the venue had booked, and the, the rooms downstairs... <laughs> A, like a kid's hip hop night or something. <laughs> I don't have a fucking clue. It just yeah. it was it was inexplicable. So there's yeah. nowhere in the venue, Dave. No. So the guy said to the tour bus, we shall go. <laughs> so out of the venue, and their tour bus was right at the front. So we got to sit in their their swanky bus for for a wee while to chat to the band, and it was an absolutely brilliant interview. Like I these guys, yeah. they. Even though they just came off stage and this was the last night of their tour, they were still so enthusiastic to sit and, and chat about the band and touring and all sorts of stuff. Um, and it was one of those interviews that just, it, for me, it kind of flew by. Like I'd like we got to the end of it and Duncan was like, "That was almost half an hour," and I was like, "What?" Yeah, like Dave's Dave's camera can only record in half an hour increments, and it was getting <laughs> yeah. to the point where I was starting to panic that we were going to have to I was going to have to stop on mid because the conversation was just so easy. Yeah. Um. And it did, it was right to the wire. And then we end up chatting to them for, I end up chatting yeah. to Kim about fucking horror movies for yeah, like yeah. 20 minutes outside his tour bus. Yeah. Um, before we went back and just really, really nice guys. Oh, so nice. Really this nice This was guys. eating at Cripple Black Phoenix time. Yeah. And we so had to get like, back in. We need to get back in. <laughs> Headlining bands on. We need to go and check them out. So we went back in there. Crowd had built up a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and what can only be described as just an Different absolute level. fucking Different phenomenal live performance members on stage so you had at their most three guitars yeah. three vocals right from like uh, the guitarist the the kind of main front woman chick and the, the main songwriter guy who also plays guitars um you had a keyboard well, a synth player who had like a big synth snack there but also Play saxophone, and by yeah. God, that oh, saxophone sound was the greatest man. fucking thing I've ever... Visible wood hearing that, honestly. <laughs> so you had that, you had the drummer, um, you had... And then you had another chick in the background who was doing, like, loads of backing vocals, keys. I think she played trumpet. She did, yeah. Yeah, as well. And it's just the mix did, like, honestly. Kyle, I can't... Like, one of the best live mixes 
I've ever heard in terms mm. of you could identify fuck it like, it sounded amazing it sounded yeah. absolutely amazing so they nailed they fucking nailed it yeah. uh, but we had been told we couldn't speak to them until after they come off yeah. stage so this and was then there was a whole calamity thing. right so there's a whole calamity I'll set yeah. Dave up and I'm going to let Dave talk so basically they'd advertised <laughs> the gig as an, again. Uh, of over 14s <laughs> right yeah so it was an over 14s gig which makes no sense right because in Scotland, an over 14 gig demands a 10pm curfew, which is why they brought the gig forward half an hour to give all the bands time. But it didn't really work out that way. Cripple Black Phoenix went on the stage at the time they would generally, I believe, go on. Mm. So they got to the end of what would be their allotted time, which meant they couldn't play their final song. So main dude's visibly pissed off about this. And he's like, <laughs> that. He's like listen, this is bullshit. Is there actually anyone in this venue... 14 years old and like no one puts hands I was like well fuck this shit if they want to cut our sound they can cut our sound we're going to play one more song let's do this so they played their song it fucking sounded amazing it was like a fucking 8 minute opus like finished cheers they walk off stage chant starts going one more song one more song one more song which I believe they generally do like an encore so he comes back on stage and he's like tapping the mic to make sure his words like that they're telling me we can't do this they're trying to get us off the fucking stage he's like I'm not having any of this so I'm I'm saying to the sound guy I'm saying to the venue if we can't do this you will have to cut me off and then he went quiet for like about 10 seconds and then went on his guitar just like that right we're doing this like so everyone come back on stage and it's the, it's the song, I forget the name of it, but it's got this really cool kind of audience interaction backwards and forwards, kind of like a vocal hook in the middle. So he's got the audience in the palm of his hand singing this back. And then what happens, Dave? The rest of the touring bands then join them on stage. Oh, shit. So you've got Imperial Wilhelmina and Maul on the stage. They've all got mics as well, and they're all getting involved. Kim's giving a big black metal scream well, as well. totally worked on that track, it by the way. It was amazing. So, but even the guitarist, the, the, the kind of lead lead guitarist, he took his guitar off and gave it to That's the right. Maul guitarist. Yep. And he, as if, like, he's obviously a very talented guy, because he'd obviously seen a play, he's like, ah, I'm fucking doing this. So he's just like, <laughs> shredding on this guy's guitar. Mm. But it was just, and, like, the crowd were into it, and it is honestly maybe one of my favourite closings of a gig yeah. i've ever fucking seen the atmosphere yeah. was incredible <clears throat> the the interview the time kept changing so initially it was like we're going to do it it was supposed to be like half past six and then it was like oh we're going to do it a quarter it was like quarter to eight or something like that and yep. then it was like again and then she came back to me and said listen it's likely it's probably going to be after their set um she was like if you if you don't want to like wait around that's absolutely fine so it's not like a problem 10 o'clocks when they're coming off stage because that's when yeah. the curfew is and then they played that extra song and i'm like that's yeah. dave half 10 is be with yeah. it no 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 and then she said so they came back and she, i was like yeah that's fine because i was thinking like back at 10 yeah. she was like it's probably going to be about 11 o'clock i was like at this point they, they were still playing at this point and i was like what do we do like because like, if this has been a school night i'd be like i don't know about this like because by the time you set things tomorrow. up plus there's also that very similar to the mole thing like that the band's just come off stage and it's not yeah. only that the band's just come off stage this is their last day last night yeah and they had to legitimately in front of us mm. pack up all their gear yeah there's eight members in that band and everyone has about <laughs> seven instruments yeah but um, after after we witnessed what we witnessed, I said to Duncan, like, there's there's no way we're going home. Like, we need to speak to these guys because that was just incredible. Like, there's no chance we're not interviewing this band. So 
we sat, we waited, we watched them pack up every bit of gear in Felt the venue. Felt really, really guilty, but yeah, also cheeky at the same time, watching them yeah. dismantle everything and pack it up and go, yeah. watching them struggle. Now you guys know what it feels like to be the vocalist, right? Yeah, well, yeah this, this is what, what, I, what, what, that's, that's what I was for a year scale, even though I had since. Um, like, they weren't the same as packing up a full drum kit. Um, yeah. So we watched them do that, and then we got our opportunity to sit down and chat with them. And yeah. once again... Wow. I think what a fucking interview. I loved Amazing. it. I love speaking to them. They were yep. so nice and so humble. And but then, like, this is where the big heads come in. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm like that. I'm like, listen, I, I, I love. It's on the recording as well. I'm like, I absolutely loved you. I gave you a five. I, I think, I think, being fire is a fucking incredible album. So we're packing up our stuff, uh, and the wee keyboard chick goes, um, "Where was it you said you, 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 you what's, what's your company again?" I was like, "Metal Epidemic," and she's like, "Are you?" Are you on YouTube? And I was like, Yeah, YouTube. And she was like, We literally just watched your review today. And I was like, No, you didn't. She was like that with the with the, with the panels and the screen and all the rest. I was like, Yeah, that was, that was fucking us. And she's like, We like, we love you guys. And I'm like, <laughs> like, uh, and we love you. And they're like, We love you guys. And then the Swedish singer Kyle is like that. Yeah, one of them didn't really like what we did. And I was like, Oh no. I was like, He's not here. Kyle isn't here. Don't. He's not here. I've got, I'm going to tell you, I've been listening to that recently after the review Come and on. I have grown on it a lot. <laughs> it has grown on me a ton. So that's what I said in the interview. I just didn't have enough time with it to grow me and it has now. So, but there. you are, once again, that's them. Sounds like they had to overcome a lot of adversity to yeah. do this gig. It sounded almost like they're, obviously don't want to speak ill of their label or whatnot, but it sounded like logistically they didn't have faith that they could do the 17 date tour mm. um, oh, and I'll tell you right now after seeing them live and they're talking about doing something next year do not slip at all on yep. going to see these guys don't do not do it go and see Cripple Black Phoenix they are fucking crazy good live like yep. at, like jaw droppingly good live so so yep. yeah so, so I, like a few a few things we've been to Dave nothing nothing yeah. really all that yeah. special to Right home. Um, but yeah, very enjoyable. Um, Where will those interviews be, Dave, if people are interested? Cattle <laughs> <laughs> uh, Decap and uh, Blood Command are up, available on our YouTube channel. They're also on the website. And um, we will have uh, interviews with uh, Mole and Cripple Black Phoenix going live within the next kind of week or so. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for but them. Where precisely can they find those? You can go to youtube.com forward slash metal epidemic to see all of our videos or they will also be on metalepidemic.com. There we go. There we go. So, um, oh, this is a long intro. It really is. It really is. <laughs> is this still the intro? Oh, yeah, we've fuck. not even done the what we've been listening to bit yet. Hopefully um, we've not been well, listening to any albums, guys. <laughs> well, I've done mine, Cripple Back Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> um, so coming up on the show, we have got um, a review of the new album from Sonic Flower. We have got some brand new music for you. We've got some album recommendations coming up. And that's right, as if that wasn't enough. We've got an interview. We interviewed someone? That's right. Like separate from all those other interviews we've done. <laughs> we've been busy. Um, we have been talking to our very good friends in Armed for Apocalypse, ladies and gents. Um, we were lucky enough to sit down with the band and um, remotely. A... We've got to stress they're in, they're in America. We sat down with them remotely. Remotely, yes. Yes. Recorded a special little interview uh, for the podcast 
which you can check out. Um, and we'll also put it on YouTube and stuff as well. So you can check out there too. Um, so we've got that coming up on the show. Um, but first, I'm going to play a little bit of music just to give you a little break from our voices. And um, we'll come back and we'll chat about what we've been listening to over the last kind of month or so. Um, kicking off our podcast, we have a new track from the Tel Aviv Metalers Matricide. Uh, they have just released a brand new single. It's called Talking to the Walls. Uh, and this comes after their previous single, Walking the Flames, from the band's much anticipated second full length album, the follow up to their highly acclaimed debut, When Random Turns to Fate. Uh, the new song contains other worldly elements, utilizing electronic synths to create a, create a deep industrial cyber soundscape. The nihilistic lyrics question the existence of God, searching for a sign, but when no sign appears, the seeker is left talking to the walls. Blending groove and hardcore rock with new metal influences, Matricide continues to experiment with original elements and sounds, taking the listener on a profound spiritual journey. Uh, check them out, facebook.com forward slash MTRCD if you dig it. We'll be back right after this.
Okay, gentlemen. Um, so, album listening history over the last month, or album singles, whatever. Um, I'll I'll start us off. I, I just want to bring up this this kind of little unknown gem that I found. Um, recently, I've been listening to this uh, this dope new track from a fairly unknown band from um, Canada. Wow. They're called. Um, Nickelback. Uh, they have a new track. So we, we, need, we, need, we need to actually physically get into this, right? Do we? Physically? Yeah. Do, I don't do, think do, uh, if, if, if I was dope. in the same room as you, we would physically get into this. Um, do you actually think it's a good song? I don't know. I still am unsure whether or not this is the long con. Like, if you're actually <laughs> physically trolling me and the internet, which if you are, I applaud you, sir, because your game is of a high level. I'm not, I'm not trolling anybody. So you actually think it's a good song? I actually, I, I think Nickelback write very fucking good radio rock friendly music. That's fine. That's fine about the band, right? You like the band, that's fine. Yeah. But do you think this is a good Nickelback song? I've listened to this song a ton, yeah. Right, all right, okay then. Um, San Quentin is the track title. Um... Just, just, just give it a wee list. If you've never heard of them, Nickelback, they're called, from, <laughs> from Canada. Um, check it out. New single out now. Uh, also, the reaction on YouTube, if you want to check it out. I would skip uh, the reaction. Um, <laughs> don't skip also, the reaction. I would also skip the song, They Don't Need Your Money. Uh, <laughs> save it. What I would say is, save yourself for the album. And if you decide when the album comes out to save yourself from that, no one will judge you. <laughs> I checked out that song too, and it starts off like ah, oh, surprisingly not bad for Nickelback, and then it gets worse. It just <laughs> doesn't keep up that energy from the beginning and just fucks off somewhere. The, like, the metalcore right. intro, you mean? The, the metalcore yeah, intro like, that they tease the internet yeah. with. Once again, yeah. I'm, I'm not. Once again, maybe he's trolling. Maybe that's Could maybe be. Chan Kroger is. This is the longest troll con of all time. Um, maybe he's, he's like, like one day, one day I'll get them in. Um, yeah, it's just the same riff. For yeah. three minutes it doesn't right. there's no there's no right. dynamic at all in it and i just can't do that i'm sorry i know you like it and uh, now it's i was just, convinced you were still trolling there like, I'm, no, uh, it's just catchy as fuck i just is it? i just like it yeah his yeah. his voice doesn't like the chorus is the same as the verse it's the same it's the same range <laughs> yeah i've only ever listened to it once i'm um, not i'm not building them up as the greatest band that were ever made but literally have a t-shirt that says <laughs> was it nickelback <laughs> Nickelback is, is neat, nickelback is neat uh, which is a play in nine inch nails you literally yeah. wore the t-shirt name yeah. um well, like if you're and if, the mask like, it's <laughs> he did actually i forgot yeah. that was one of the most traumatizing recording i've ever done actually <laughs> where i had to like physically look at chad kroger smiling yeah, yeah. Uh, for an entire recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I used to. I used. To, I mean, I, I could say it's a guilty pleasure, but I don't even feel guilty about it anymore. No, you know I, if you like the band, I mean, it's not a guilty pleasure. Yeah, I, and I know they're trash. Before. I know they're absolutely trash. Like I'm not. They're like musically, they're not. They're not musical yeah. geniuses or anything like that. But they can write a catchy as fuck song. I, I, I will. I will put it this way. Um, a, a friend of mine once described his love. A really, 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 really bad found footage Ouija movies, like Ouija board found footage movies, of which there's a whole subgenre out there, and they're all terrible. I don't know, like the, the Ouija experiment, the Ouija experiment two, the Ouija experiment three. Uh, <laughs> they continue to go along. They're terrible movies, and what he said to me was that you know, I mean, you can sit down and have filet mignon, you can have some wagyu beef, mm. you have some of the best cuts of steak. Every now and again, it's good to have a McDonald's. And I think that Nickelback <laughs> are your McDonald's. 
Could be. There's no nutritional value at all in it. No, there's not. Um, no, but when you're in that in that world, when it's in front of you, you smile. You're loving it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get sued now for that, Dave. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. Um, on to the good stuff, ladies and gents. Um, let's uh, let's kick off with a, an album that Duncan and I were chatting about um, last night, and I think I mentioned it in the car on the way to on the gigs as well. We were listening to it on the way to the gig, and I That's hadn't right. heard it yet. And That's you, right. Like, you made a comment, and I was like, "You better not say that to the band." Uh, <laughs> and then I listened to the album, and was like, "I totally say this to the band." Um, I described that I described it to you last night as if Rage Against the Machine and Limp Biscuit like recorded an album which fucks yep. this is the album yep and it's infinitely better than both those bands it would sound like euthanasia by stray from the path dude this album is just as one sole purpose is to give you bounce <laughs> like yeah every track is just bouncy and it's fuck authority and <laughs> like, i've never heard a more anti-cop album um, yeah. than this and i'm kind of behind it yeah so. Yeah, it slaps. It slaps from beginning to end. Oh, um, so good. It's just an an orgy of of neck breaking riffs. Is that my top twenty but, for the year? Yeah, yeah, easily, yeah. easily. I, I, you cannot dislike this album. Like I, no. I just, I, 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 I want to meet someone that dislikes this album. It's <laughs> so well put together, um, yeah. and the riffs, like the riff machines. Like yeah. you would think, like that's the thing. Like you know, like a West Borland riff when you hear it. Mm. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, right, it's always boring. Uh, and the case of this one, it's so inventive. Mm. Very, very playful. And he makes use of the space and the gaps between things to do things on the guitar that like that. It's yeah. smart as fuck. But it's not gimmicky, though. Like, it's 100% you know, not. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not trying to be like quirky or different. Um, they know it, they know what works. Yeah. They, and they do it incredibly well. And every track just lands with complete and utter ferocity. Yeah. Um, I think this album will go down a fucking storm live it is going to be see if they carnage. Just played, i know they've got loads of albums but yeah see if they just play this album live i would i could die a happy man it's just <laughs> as designed like this is it's just designed to be played live it's yeah. really 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 fucking good so uh, sure. it's just come out euthanasia straight from the path fucking yeah. awesome day. sexy sexy awesome uh, what else? What else have been listening to? Um, did Did you listen to the the Scamp album? Did you I check that? I did. So we were listening to In Your Car, which once again reminded me that I hadn't listened to. Um, <laughs> after even you said it to me, going what? Because that's a that's a way, like one. I thought Scamp had split up. Yeah. Two, even if they'd reformed, I wasn't aware of it. And then three, why is there an album that no one knew anything about? Like you're yeah. better informed than I am, mm. like about stuff like this. And you literally were like that new scam problem and i was like what the, is this 2011 what the fuck is um, yeah I, I think the last thing they had out was like 2014 or something yeah it was while we were doing rock and roll reviews yeah so i think we even reviewed it <laughs> probably did yeah. yeah so i it was like wholly surprised to be honest musically they haven't changed that much nah, um not at all which I'm fine with. Um, yep. They do they do that kind of scandal, sort of European, kind of groovy, punchy sound really, really well with kind of, yep. you know, their version of Mashuga style vocal tones, uh, mm. which I love. It's, you know, it's, it's not genre defining. It doesn't reinvent the wheel. It's mm. a very easy listen and it's got cool grooves. So I don't know yep. what more you want from Scamp in 2022. No. I know. I mean, I still, I think 
um, mirror-faced mentality, I think it was. I think uh, that was that's probably my favourite yeah. Scamp album. Um, this is like similar styled. Um, they, they were very popular. The the kind of like that whole like textures, Nemec, uh, Celise, uh, kind of that kind of era, like um, very like kind of chuggy and you know synced up bass drums and all that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, as you said, this doesn't really sound much different from what they've done you in the could, past. They could have released it then, and it would yeah, be absolutely totally fine. So yeah, um, and, and it's it's not. I still think that two thousand and eight album's got the best production as well. Yeah. This one's it's a little bit more kind of rough around the edges, um, but it's like forty odd minutes of just no nonsense kind of groove metal. Um, just yeah, it's, it's well done. A scamp and man meets ape is the name of the album. Um, does what it says in the tin, basically. Yeah. Um, is this is this where like I admit something to you, Dave? Go go for it. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, this is now the time, yeah. This is the time to say that I finally listened to techno. Oh, we need to talk about techno. <laughs> we need to talk about techno. Callboy. Now, Dave has been going on about this for weeks now. Like yeah. going on about it to the point where I'm like, that he's sold. He's trying to sell me a Nickelback <laughs> here, and I'm not falling for it. Right? It's like constantly <laughs> just how great it fucking is and all the rest, and um. We we liked Eskimo Cowboy as they mm. were formerly known as. Uh, yeah. Hyper Hyper was maybe my most enjoyable track two years ago. I think I'd like I listened to it, I, I as Dave would say I rinsed it um, <laughs> like like consistently yep. played it over and over again. And they went through a change of they fully embraced the Hyper Hyper vibe, right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, that singer left. He went off and did Ghost Kid, which mm. apparently was where all the dark and brooding stuff of that band went at the time. <laughs> yeah. When he left, it was like sunshine and lollipops and you know it's just like a, like so and i remember the ep they released around hyper hyper and mm. it was a cool ep and it sounded it was a bit disjointed it didn't sound like i had any full kind of commonality mm. techno is like definitely one vision yeah. um for better or worse you will either enjoy this or you will fucking hate it <laughs> and i i'm gonna agree with dave i fucking this yes. is it's it is all gimmick yeah dude it's all gimmick but the gimmick is good (laughs) (laughs) the gimmick works for me that kind of euro trash techno like thing that they do and then the absolutely and i cannot stress this enough fucking punishing deathcore stuff that is just mixed in with it is just Mm. it's a chest kiss collaboration um will not be for everyone though i would totally go and see them live Oh, hundred percent. I would, I, I, would live, yeah. I would go and see them live, and I'm telling you right now, neon Bermuda shorts and a Miami Vice fucking. Shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that that should have been the album cover because that's exactly what that album looks like. Yeah. Well, I, the album cover like is is technicolored down the side, like you see yeah. the old VHS tapes, and it's crinkled like an old VHS cover. Yeah. So they know what they're doing. They know yeah. what they're doing, and it's and the thing is, I actually even thought that this could be one of those ones where the production overtakes the the band mm-hmm. and it doesn't like no. it's it's surprisingly well balanced like mm-hmm. to, to the point where you're like this this is the difference between like this is the difference in craft where like the, the the two genres are so diametrically opposed that they shouldn't mix as well as they do together mm-hmm. but the collaborative efforts of whoever produced and mixed and mastered it are just working in time it's so well done it's so mm-hmm. well done yeah, yeah, it's good. It's really good. Did you did you check it out, Kyle? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My favourite song's Neon. <laughs> it's just fucking great. 
Uh, so Waving good, around. Like, that's I what think, you do. Like... You just have to stand up and jump about in your house to this. It's yeah, unbelievable. I, th- I think prior to this album, they they very much felt like a singles band to me. Um, like whenever you heard an album, it was like, oh, there's like three or four really good tracks, and then the and rest was were, just a bit. They felt like a gimmick kind of band. Yeah. The definition of a gimmick band, a band that plays off an idea which is niche or kitsch or whatever, yeah. and then you listen to this as a fully formed album. Mm. And it like at, at that point the gimmick's gone. You know what I mean? It's yeah. still you have to judge it for what it is, and it is is it's like fucking very very. And also, it's thirty minutes long. Yeah, uh, come yeah. on. That's that also works. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Ten tracks, thirty minutes long. Does ex- like the, you? It, it challenges you not to listen to it again. Like mm. when it finishes, it's like that. You're gonna play me, and I'm like, I'm not gonna. <laughs> and it's like you are, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> thing is, so. it's got such a variation between the songs though like neon my favorite one is yeah. very sort of like it's very poppy it's very catchy and then the one that comes after it is like fucking heavy as shit and it's yeah. just like and it just i like the way they sort of they pulled it all together on this album definitely yeah yeah mm. most consistent release i think yeah, so far absolutely. um yeah very it's, it's far more far more thought out for me like the uh this this feels like an album yes. rather than like an album with you know a few, a few good singles and a load of filler on it I also um, don't think this is them hitting. Like, weirdly, I, like now that I'm hearing the evolution of the sound since the other guy left, yeah. I still don't think they're at their peak, which is like, <laughs> which is super exciting. Like, I yeah. genuinely don't think they've they've reached that level yet where, where they're like delivering the the most refined best version of what they've got. Um, mm. But yeah, Dave, it's it's really it's really good. So nice. every now and again, your taste in music is okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Duncan. Thank you very much, Dave. Um, what else? What else? Um, I checked out um, Nether Heaven by Revocation. Mm-hmm. Um, How is it? I, I remember them. They were another band that were, were releasing stuff around the Rock and Roll Reviews days. And yeah. I really liked that album that came out about then. Yeah, they, they, they did about, probably about 10 years ago, um, they, they were putting out some really good stuff. Mm. Um, and then I kind of fell kind of out of love with them, to be honest. Like some albums I felt like I connected with and others just felt kind of flat to me. Um, and I've kind of felt that way over the last couple of albums I've put out. Um, just didn't really hold my attention as much. Um, I think this album is a return to form. I think this is the best they put out in a long time. Um, this feels more, this feels darker. It, it's some of the kind of meatiest material they've done in about probably about 10 years. Um, there's moments in this that kind of lean into that almost kind of like Swedish death metal territory, but it's got a more kind of technical kind of delivery to it. Um, and I love the fact that there's there's moments that feel like like old revocation um, when they were at that kind of real kind of ferocious stage of their career, but it's mixed in with some kind of newer and kind of fresher ideas. But um, I think the ideas on this one are far better executed on this release than on the last couple of albums. Um, I actually, I read that they, they were down, they're now down to a three piece um so that kind of streamlined approach to the writing that might be the key here to be honest um they're down to just dave davidson i think is doing pretty much all the guitars and stuff so um it might be down to that don't know uh, but i hope they they continue in this vein because I, I really like the sound of this new one yes i can i can imagine this being on a lot of like lists at the end of the year it's got that kind of vibe about it yeah i enjoyed it definitely enjoyed it um what else what else? What I can else? jump in here. Um, Go for it. So if you were thinking, you know what? You know what's awesome? That Zealand Order album. And I would agree oh, with you. Yeah. It's awesome. Mm. Then mm. he goes away and pulls out a fucking, a, like a pop easy listening album at his arse. A concept called Soft Captain with their self-titled release, 
Soft Captain, which has a nautical <laughs> vibe about it. Um, it's really, really, really well done. It's mm. like it's surprisingly, it's surprisingly smiley. Um, like it's just like he comes from an experimental pop background and you can tell it here like this is um like if you listen to like the first zealand release the ep that they put out mm. way back in the day it had this it was more experimental pop with kind of some black metal stuff in there and the you know the kind of the kind of sleeve music sort of thing that they have inspired um mm. and then that's obviously become the predominant thing with the kind of gospel vibe and all the rest moving forward this kind of felt like a return to those kind of those quirks, those like kind of poppy electronic quirks, but you've got some really cool guitar playing on it. You've got some outstanding vocal melodies. The guy's voice is like just as he's singer, let alone all the screamy stuff and and all the stuff he does there. As he's singer, he's got such a pure sounding voice. Mm. Um, I think they're just a two piece. I think it's just a collaborative thing. Oh, really? Um, it's really really good. It's really easy listening though. So like, don't go from the metal epidemic guys recommending soft captain. Can't wait to have my face melted. Um, it's not that sort of release, but it's really fucking good. It's really well put mm. together. Um, so yeah, give it some time if you haven't already. Get yourself in the right mood for it though. Okay. But don't don't come off electric cowboy and then shove on soft captain. <laughs> uh, so yes, there you go. So it's surprisingly good, uh, mm. and I want to stress that. Uh, we have done tons of reviews, so there's loads of things that are out that aren't out yet that have been monopolising a lot of time in the listening. Uh, but there was a video on um, I don't know who it was, put Sirius FM or whatever put out that performance of Megadeth playing a three-song set mm. where they uh, they played um, material from the past. So if you're checking out Big Dave Mustaine and crew, and they also did um, they did one track I think from the Sick, the Dying, and the Dead, which was We'll Be Back, which is a track we all fucking loved. And live, they kill it, right? Like, they really, he's really fucking good, right? Granted, he's old now and he's had throat cancer and he can't really move, but um, <laughs> those solos were everything yeah. sounded perfect. I said it was out, in fact, I actually think their live sound sounded better than the track version that's on the album. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I've never thought I would see this, and I don't think I would, and I think this is a statement I'm going to instantly regret. I would go and see Megadeth if they came over. Oh, and you? I've never been keen to see it, but having saw those three songs, which encapsulated three different eras, mm. essentially of their sound, um, I yeah, I was like, yeah, I could, I could see myself at a mega mega death gig. Um, so mm. there we are. Nice. Which I imagine lets people just throwing things at their monitor right now. <laughs> of course, you fucking they're a metal band, Duncan. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but they're a handful of songs. Um, <laughs> but they were really, really, really good. Um, mm. And our album review is out. It is. It's out now. Awesome. Oh, was that what did you think of it just quickly because I was like halfway we, okay with it it was alright um, yeah I think we were this. I, I think I scored it a little bit higher than Dave um, I felt like it was an album that was we either came in on the same grade or it was just marginally higher I think, I think. we were the same maybe yeah. actually um, I think we came down with a with a kind of this album makes me want to listen to Megadeth while it's not a perfect album yeah, um, yeah I, I think the they got a lot more right on it than they didn't get right if that makes yeah. sense and I unlike vast swaths of the internet actually enjoyed some of the more them out with their comfort zone tracks mm. um, but yeah there's, like, there's a handful of like just top notch fucking thrash metal songs on there yeah, yeah. which yeah, I'm sorry thing. you stand that against a death magnetic I would listen to any of those songs over listening to anything on that album so yeah. in this battle Megadeth are winning what do you mean Megadeth's winning <laughs> 
<laughs> I released the album yesterday. Um, so yeah, it's really good. It's not yeah. as good as... We've done a review of this, but we need to talk about that. <laughs> the Callisto Boys album. <laughs> <laughs> Still listening to it? Uh, yeah, yeah no, stop listening to it. Starboy is the track that will play when they're lowering my coffin in the ground. <laughs> It's so well done. It is it's one of those, and no one's fucking talking about it. No mm. one is talking about it. Everyone is I've sleeping on this loads album. Loads of people on Twitter talking about it. Yeah, all but the Twitter's time. fucking a different planet. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's a completely. This is how I know it's a different planet because, meanwhile, um, like publications that are actually writing about music are not reviewing about it online. Instead, mm. they're talking about Nickelback. Um, <laughs> how dare they! How dare they spend time talking about a band that doesn't need that sort of publicity over a band like this who have crafted just mmm, mmm, spicy meatball. Um, <laughs> so good, man. Honestly, every time I, the, the, the benefit of the re listen value is every time I hear it, I hear another little element and I'm like, that's just really clever. Mm. Like frustratingly clever to the point where like the attention to detail on it's fucking nuts, and it will be as it stands just now in my top ten of the year. I think it's fucking good, Dave. Smoking. Oh, I I touch my tits. I tell you, what wasn't that good. Uh-oh. Um, is it is it just me or is that new Parkway Drive album just an absolute snooze fest? I am gonna say that I listened to it only because you talked about it. I had no intention of listening. I don't even know if I ever liked him. No. No, I thought they were that oh, whole metalcore yeah, phase thing where they were surrounded by bands that I thought were better. Mm. You know, like Black yeah, Dahlia and stuff like that, where I was like, oh, Black Dahlia is better than Parkway Drive. Um, <laughs> and I listened to it, and um, if I was a fan of the band, and this is where I was trying to say, preface this by saying I was never a fan of the band. Um, mm. If I was a fan of the band, I. I could see me liking this. I don't think it's a huge departure, really, from anything I've done before. It's just what they're doing on it just needs a like a, a massive facelift. I think music has moved on so much since then, and I don't think they're doing anything interesting. I could see you said it was a snooze fest, and I, I if and by saying you think it's a snooze fest, and that is wholly predictable. And it never really moves anywhere. Then mm. yes, I a hundred percent agree. I just like every time the, the song was about to change, I'd already kind of predicted what the riff was going to sound like, or what the mm. drum beat was going to be like, or what he was going to do vocally, all the way through the album. And as a result, yeah. it just felt it felt boringly familiar. Yeah, yeah. It, it could was be a, a it comfort to listen to something familiar. You know what I mean? We get to that point where you're like. Clutch is a good example of that. Before we shove Clutch on, I mm. knew exactly what I was going to get. And there was a couple of moments where I'm like, oh, that's different. Or what, you know, like, done that's something. well done, though. This, this, this is was just fucking it, beige be- as anything. Yeah, it's, it's the very, like, if you if you had a computer algorithm mm. out there and you were typing in, like, the generic nature of kind of metalcore into it, like, you put that in there and then that spat back to you. Mm. something that's kind of what it is so paint by numbers that it's frustrating yeah like i found myself like my i was just i was trying to picking up my phone i was doing anything except paying attention to what i was doing um was it you that referred to it as hot topic music or did i read that somewhere else Um, yeah so i not a fan yeah the only weird thing about it is it's got this strange kind of like viking metalcore thing happening at times which is just like bizarre then it just doesn't fit with the rest of the album 
Um, but if you read the like the reviews out there, like Kerrang's gave it 45, Metal Hammers gave it 45. So it's like it's getting great reviews. I just don't understand it but at all. I love that Machine Head album. Right, this is the like this is what I'm saying. We need a baseline here. We need a baseline of opinions. Like the, I, there's something weird going on just now where I think if you're a band of a certain status, you cannot have a bad album. Just get an automatic pass, yeah. basically. Um, although I do quite like um, I don't know if you check out Sputnik um, they, their reviews they, they, they keep it quite raw quite kind of honest they give it a 1 out of 5 <laughs> I wouldn't give it a 1 <laughs> see I've seen quite mixed reviews from people that like the band like a couple of guys are like fuck this is really good but I mean mm. maybe their music taste isn't all that but other people are like yeah they say the same as you and they're fans of the band mm. I've never been a huge fan of it I, kind of, I heard my, a few songs years yeah. ago and I was like man, not my thing Check yeah. this one out. I was like, mm, still not my thing. <laughs> Isn't the problem is they came out at a time period where that that musical scene, that style, mm. was really really popular, and the bands that were at the top level, there was it wasn't just there was there's not it's not Mashuga syndrome where there's one band clearly better than the rest that are trying mm. to do that genre. There was a whole handful of bands that were doing it really really well. And mm. Parkway Drive came out. They were always kind of mid mid card for me, mid tier yeah. band. Yeah. No, and yeah. to me, they've just never. And once again, I want to stress, I, I've not religiously listened to everything they've done. Um, I occasionally, periodically jump in and jump out. But there's nothing on here that at any point makes me feel like I am missed something or mm. I should pay more attention or I should listen to another album. And this is the these are the guys that split up and then came back like in the space of like a month, wasn't it? Like they went on hiatus and couldn't do anything that yeah. the internet was sad apparently and then they come back together like two months later because the internet was sad apparently um yeah. i don't get them. like it yeah <laughs> don't get it um anyway uh the only other one i've got on my list um and this was my kind of my surprise of the month i suppose um surprise? because um as an artist that i really couldn't give a fuck about to be honest <laughs> um <laughs> What an intro! <laughs> um, although, although his <laughs> his band are held up as one of the greatest heavy metal bands of all time, oh. um, and again, I think they're all right to be honest, but not a band that I can go on about. Um, the new Aussie album is oh, a surprisingly really, really good listen. Um, really? Wasn't expecting it at all, to be honest. I thought oh, I'll give this a listen, but I wasn't expecting much. Um, what was the, happening the, in your house? I don't on know. That day where you were like, the, I, I shit you not, to Duncan. This new Aussie album. The, uh, the first track on the it's album sounds. <laughs> Maybe that's what the smell is. Um, the, the first track on the album is like Poppy. I shit you not, it sounds like Poppy. I kid you not. not the whole album doesn't sound like that but that first track the chorus and stuff it sounds like it could have been on a puppy album um very catchy very well written i was like what the fuck is going on this album's actually really good there's like really good choruses on this and then i had a look at the wikipedia page and i was like all right wait a minute so the list of it's basically aussie plus all these musicians right so you've got zach wild yeah jeff beck tony iomi eric clapton josh homie dave navarro Chad Smith, Taylor Hawkins. So he's basically pulled in. Fucking like, and this is this is what like he's like. Uh, let me just open my Rolodex of like, yeah. Just, basically, that's oh, what he's done. Hell. But the album is produced by a guy called um, Andrew Watt, um, who is also credited as one of the main songwriters on the album as well. Oh, right. And his 
like his writing and his production credits is huge. Like if you go to his Wikipedia page, it is massive. But he's been working, he's worked with artists from like right from like Justin Bieber, like to Post Malone, Ed Sheeran, Elton John, but then he's also worked with like Pearl Jam and all yeah. that kind of rock kind of style bands as well. So he's obviously he's clearly good at what he does. Um and whether you know he's had a big involvement in the writing in this, I'm not sure, but it's very well put together. It's not that heavy, it's like a kind of hard rock it sits in that kind of category but a very easy listen uh and very like straightforward you know fairly conventional but very catchy yeah um yeah it's called <laughs> patient number nine um wasn't expecting to like it at all but a bit of a surprise nice um so that's my that's my final one anything else anything else you want to mention oh, or is talking that... about bands that need to be talked about more and more and more and more uh-huh. and more dawn walker and abram <laughs> i have been on those two bands like white on rice <laughs> absolutely i cannot stop listening to them at all that Dawnwalker album is just i gave it a pretty good review when we when we reviewed it and i just mm. it's just gone even if i could give it seven out of five i would now <laughs> really <laughs> fucking like, good really, really good and yeah. abrams you have to listen to abrams they're yeah. so good or abrams What's i don't know how the fuck to say no that. one's talking about right them. they yeah. should be everyone needs to be yeah just after i don't get it like it's so much better than some of the shit that's gotten fours and fives and tens and nines whatever yeah. from these bigger things but it's just like just dig a bit deeper and you find some really incredible music yeah. like, not that hard guys. to find yeah. <laughs> got reasons. um the last thing i want to close on i know you've heard this dave i don't know if kyle will have um and we spoke about this briefly but i suppose it's worth mentioning because they're a band that predominantly featured on your first end of year list for metal epidemic and uh Danzig. Yeah, no. <laughs> Get you. Um uh, the band are Spirit Adrift. Uh the uh, album is oh, yeah. 20 oh, Centuries yeah. Gone. And the fact that you are kind of like, oh yeah, is the underlying point here. And that in a year where one of your favourite bands two years ago has released an album which got no fucking press, mm. um, no promotion at all. It's come out to nothing. Um, yeah. Like, no one's talking about it. And I'm, I'm going to say, it's not because it's not a great album. Uh, it's not because it's a bad album. It's just, it's an okay album. Mm. I'm like, I don't know what's happened. I'm like, I, I genuinely, we spoke about this. I asked you if there had yeah. been lineup changes. Mm. Um, and you, Dave's like, no, nope, uh, there has not been. It just, it's, you listen to it, but it's just not memorable. Mm. Really weird. Really, really weird. It's, it's the weird shifts in style throughout yeah. the album. I'm just like, What's happening here? That's the whole like gothic thing they go through, and like I was like, "What's actually it, happening here?" Because Dave, like, Dave's like that. There was a moment that reminded me of typo negative. And I was like, "You never listen to typo negative." <laughs> and I went back and listened to it. I was like, like, "I went back and listened to it." I was like, "That kind of sounds like typo negative." I'll get you, Dave. <laughs> um, so yeah, weird, weird one. Yeah, and like I say, no one's. Yeah, I, on, I mean, know. technically, they're they're now on a bigger label. I think they were on. Is it prosthetic they were on before? Yeah. They're on Century Media now, which is Fuck. bigger label, yeah. but it, it didn't really seem to get any kind of weird push majorly, I didn't think. Weird. Because yeah. they were the now it's not just you that rated that album highly a couple of years ago. Um yeah. across the board. That's one yeah. that's one of those ones we were talking about. Publications stroked that album off. Rightly mm. so it was a really good album, but yeah. it just feels like something's changed. Yeah. Um we're going through changes. <laughs> yeah. I think it was only two guys before, so yeah. 
Um, I don't know uh, if, maybe if that's people. changed or I don't know. More people, um, more voices. You know what they say? Anyway. More people. And when they say more people, more problems, Dave. More problems. Uh, more yeah. problems. Too many chefs in the kitchen. Yeah. Mm. Playing guitar. <laughs> instead of cooking it's usually that. right <laughs> um so uh we're going to play a bit of music for you um right now and then we're going to come back and do our first album review of the podcast um our single uh, our next single on the podcast comes from basement punk grindcore group escuela es- es- escuela grind i think it's escuela i think that's how you pronounce it uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry still your thunder escuela Esquela, Esquela. I'm going to go Esquela. The barnstorming new single, Forced Collective Introspection, is taken from the forthcoming album Memory Theatre, due for release on 30th September via the band's new label, home of MNRK Heavy. The, the, the music might be terrifying, but the overwhelming spirit behind Esquela Grind is a message of empowerment as it destroys musical boundaries. The quartet attack the idea of gatekeeping with equal ferocity. Uh, Esquela Grind's sophomore album. Is seven minutes shorter than Slayer's Rain and Blood. <laughs> but with a few songs running past the three minute mark, it's downright epic by grindcore norms. Delivering on the promise of several split records, a handful of EPs, and the full length indoctrination, the nine songs on Memory Theatre offer a near psychedelic trip to the genre's soul. Uh, this is Forced Collective Introspection. Check them out at facebook.com forward slash forward slash Esquela Grind if you like what you hear uh, we'll be back right after this
Okay, gentlemen, it is that time again. It is album review time. And yeah. for this review, Duncan, Kyle, and I have been checking out the new album from Japanese Riff Monsters, Sonic Flower. The band's new album, Me and My Bell, Blo- Bell Bottom Blues. <laughs> Bell That's going to be a tongue twister, gents. Uh, will be released on September 30th via Heavy Psych Sounds. So, Sonic Flower. Um, if you've never heard of them before, they were um, formed as a side project from Church of Misery in 2001. Um, Tatsu Mikami, who is the Church of Misery bassist, and Takenori Hoshi, uh, the guitarist on Church of Misery's second album, Second Coming, teamed up to play more bluesy and instrumental heavy rock influenced by 70s acts such as Cactus, Grand Funk Railroads, Groundhogs, or Savoy Brown. Guitarist Arisa and drummer some guy joined them uh, quickly joined them <laughs> um, some guy Kaisuke Fukawa I think you, um, nailed it. <laughs> in 2003 they released their bluesy heavy rock self-titled <laughs> debut album Sonic Flower on Japanese label Leafhound Records this instrumental improvised double guitar charge record was internationally acclaimed and they got the chance to support Electric Wizard Bluebird um, or Acid King on their Japan shows. 2005, Sonic Flower in the studio to record new material, but as Arisa was pregnant and day jobs prevailed, they put the band on hiatus after the recording session, and those recordings slept in the vault for 15 years until Tatsu decided to reform the band in 2018. This time he teamed up with former Church of Misery singer. The result was their new album, Rides Again. Um, 2021, it was released uh, through Heavy Psych, Heavy Psych Records. Uh, their brand new album, Me and My Bell Bottom Blues, sees guitarist Fumiya Hattori joining on guitar for a late September release on the Italian label. Recorded in Tokyo in early 2022 and mixed by Japanese doom guru Yukito Okazaki of Eternal Asylum Flame, fame even. Me and My Bell Bottom Blues is their biggest work to date, according to Mikami. So, gents, um, back with a new Sonic Flower album in 2022. Uh, we reviewed the last album, Rides Again, which was technically an album that was over 15 years old, um, <laughs> but hadn't seen the late day. Um, it was also a um, completely instrumental album, uh, whereas this album now sees the band joined by the former Church of Misery vocalist. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, I, I tried not to listen to any of the singles um, from this album. I just wanted to hear the album and in its entirety. I had heard Black Sheep. Ah, right, okay. And as a result, I was hella fucking pumped. Um, <laughs> like, Black Sheep is a fucking banger. Um, so I was very, very, very excited to hear. I didn't listen to Swineherd, which is the technically the opening song, but the second mm-hmm. single. So I, I, I kind of did the Dave thing at that point where I was like, that I need to wet my whistle here. Oh, this tastes nice. I'm going to hold off and then binge that motherfucker when it comes in. Mm, nice. Kyle, did you listen to singles or? Nope. I was the nope. same as you. I wanted to go in dry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely. Um, so, <laughs> um, that last album, Rides Again, um, I'm pretty sure. Kyle definitely gave that top marks. Doug, did you go five on that one as well? I gave it five, yeah. Did I you? Thought yeah? Was, I thought it was fucking great. So, yeah. Ooh, nice, interesting, interesting. So, uh, Kyle, what did you think 
of uh, me and my bell-bottom blues. You're getting better at it. Every time yeah, he says it, I'm like, yeah. we're go- the, the ultimate goal is for you to be able to say three times fast back to back <laughs> and not say the word bell end, which is really difficult. <laughs> so, like, it's the hard part, so if you're lucky. Mm. <laughs> nice. Sonic Flower 2, Flower Harder. <laughs> flower longer. Uh, <laughs> I mean, as you said, I was high as a kite on that last album. It was <laughs> fucking. I loved it absolutely. So when I saw this land in my inbox, thank you, Dave. Mm. It was. Uh, I was like, ha ha! Finally, it's time because I'd seen they've been talking about it a lot. Give my Glasgow Ned. Ha ha! Big man, how's it going? Shit! <laughs> That's, I've only been to Glasgow once. That's really how they all talk. It's how really. they all talk over there. It's really, really sunk into me, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I was. <laughs> I like that last album. Didn't check out the singles because I like to listen to albums as they come. Mm. And um, this is more of the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what he's doing? Trying to talk about his, his bell bottom blues. <laughs> talk about Sorry. more how it came. Right. <laughs> Was it thick? <laughs> thick and blue. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Fucking okay. Papa Smurf. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, we're gonna have to cut this bit out. <laughs> Stays in. We don't edit. That's the beauty of doing this show. Oh, we get it straight Jesus. from the fucking teeth. <laughs> straight from the smush testicles. <laughs> I'm too close to Sweden to be listening to that joke. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Jesus Christ. Oh, I can't what I was gonna say about this album. <laughs> You hadn't listened to anything, you were getting That's ready true. to you love the previous one and then you love the previous on. one, hadn't heard, put it on, more of the good stuff. Not really the same stuff, mm. very similar stuff, but it has evolved a great deal, I feel. Mm. Like in a very good way. When you see fifteen years worth of evolution. <laughs> years of evolution. That's quite true. <laughs> Didn't consider that. <laughs> But with the, the addition of the new guitarist and the vocalist, it's like mm. taking it to a whole other level. And mm. I love it. Like, the riffs are more riffy. <laughs> I don't know how to explain mm. it. Like, yeah. there was riffs on the previous one, but this time it's like they're more yeah. focused and they're yeah. way hookier, they're way catchier, they're way, like, more constructed as, uh, like, a song and everything mm. uh, into the song. The production on this is even better than last time it's still raw and organic but it sounds fucking huge it's just massive and considering it's from that sort of 70s rock fuzzy blue sort of inspiration it's like if they had music back then like this it would have blown everybody to bits (laughs) (laughs) and i'm just like oh no i loved it every song for me really the, the opening song swineherd was like wow you guys really stepped it up and then each song got better and better. My only gripe is the sort of jammy sort of bits at the end, like they sort of go a bit jam band uh, the last mm. few songs or last couple of songs. And for me, tiny little bit, insy little bit, can't stress this enough, just a little bit. It felt a bit too on the long side. I was mm. just like, that's the only gripe. 
But that, that new guitar is searing some serious chops. And I have to mention it. You know I'm going to mention it, but bass tone. <laughs> yeah, it's Tatsu. Like, bass like, player. That's his thing. That's his thing. And, oh like, my fucking God. I cannot stop listening to it. Every time I put it on, like, turn up the bass, turn down the highs. Don't get <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. I have listened to this quite a few times. <laughs> and it's going to be... If this isn't on my end of year list... Yeah, I don't know what's happened because this is a is really loving it. The last the last one was on my last end of year list, I'm pretty sure. Mm. And uh, if this isn't again, then I don't know what's Just happened. Giving a wee banana left, right, <laughs> I don't know if this is a banana, but it's definitely up there. Mm. It's I really loved it. I'm, just can't stop listening to it. It's been on repeat. It's one of those albums I found that is really easy to put on repeat. It was just like so easy to listen to and get through, just like the last one. In fact, mm. I can play them both. But I have done played them both back to back, just like first, second, repeat, all day, and it was a great day. <laughs> that was yesterday, and yeah, you don't know. <laughs> uh, did all your troubles seem so far away? No. <laughs> ah, you're back and you have to stay. <laughs> <laughs> dad facts uh duncan freaking <laughs> down with the dad facts um so what do you think uh yeah so like that weirdly i approached this as a different beast entirely because it technically is right mm-hmm. like yeah. what we heard before was a time capsule of music that was written 15 years before with different sort of personnel that had been remastered from the original uh, recordings and as a result of that actually playing them side by side I didn't realise how much things had been turned up <laughs> like 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 right to like right to the line that line mm-hmm. that goes red on that, that previous release where they've obviously tried to fix things and it added to its charm in the listen you're not getting that here this, this feels much more organic mm-hmm. um, and as a result of that you know, adds more to the authenticity of the sound they're going for. <clears throat> I think this is more authentically sounding of the era than the previous release, while musically the previous one certainly was of that. I think, in hindsight now, having heard this in comparison to the other release, I think this one fits better. It's probably worth saying the the biggest tick this album has is the inclusion of the vocals. Mm. Um, it gives the album a focus. Right, mm. it really gives it a centre point. Also forces them to be a bit smarter with their song structure, kind of like lean in on that. But it's not selfish with the vocals, like Kyle mentioned earlier on towards the back half of the album. The vocalist will happily fuck off for a while mm. um, and let the band jam, and then he'll come back in. And guess what? That's authentic to the era. Like bands played long songs, and the singer wasn't singing all the way through them. He was mm. a wee grabbing a beer feeling some pities you know like stuff like that and then we come back and rejoin the band like that's kind of the, that's kind of the thing um, so I think they've nailed that down the inclusion of a kind of a, a kind of more lead work guitar um, also is driving the songwriting to me what was really interesting about this is how much at times the riffs particularly on a track like Captain Frost reminded me of something like Cochise from Audio Slave. Oh, um, I was going to say that. What, like, totally see, Audio Slave. What, what 100 was one mind. Like, it's like, where my brain is, like, it is he play on that riff and it's not ripped off. I want to stress yeah. that. But it's so in line and in tune with it. It's, it was mm. kind of like, it was very difficult for me not to, to, yeah, but it, the way they approach it as well is, 
kind of similar to how Audioslave approached their music in a lot of respects, how by default, by proxy, Rage Against the Machine approached their version of kind of funk and blues. And that the you know the bass is this thickening level to what the guitar's doing, and the production is so tight between those two instruments, it, it essentially adds a thick wall of sound, um, which you get all the way through this. Um, and like I mentioned before, Black Sheep for me, the first time I heard it, I fucking fell in love with it. It might be my favourite thing on the album overall. I think it's the bit where they get most of those elements at the right length. I hear what Kel's saying, uh, Poor Girl and Sonic Flower themselves have those jammier sections. I'm fine with them though. Um, oh, I, I, I enjoy them a great totally, deal. Yeah. Totally hear what you're saying though. I think yeah. if you are not accustomed or not attuned to this style of music, or you're used to modern interpretations where someone in a studio, a producer more likely would be like, yeah. like, like, let's shorten it a little bit, then you're maybe not used to like the actual spirit of jam and this is what they do specifically on Sonic Flower which I think has like a four minute jam session in the middle and they're like let's just fucking do it and I'm like let's just fucking do it including the break at the old acoustic guitar and they fucking duel them up I I love those elements Um, bass playing you mentioned it let's talk about it he's such a fucking talented motherfucker he really 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 is Church of Misery like me and Dave huge fucking fans like huge fans of and a lot of that was down to that driving, sludgy, doomy bass. Yeah. And, oh, I mean, there's not that he's not really doing that much different here. Mm-hmm. Except he's adding a bit more blues to it, but it is so well put together. And the moments where he gets to move away from what the guitars are doing just remind you how fucking great a songwriter is. Everything else here is tight. Uh, drum work is good without being anything to necessarily write home about and you know it delivers the goods it's a solid backbeat to everything that's happening here um, the guitar works great I, I love the riffs um, once again they are they're very samey but with their own individual kind of feel which kind of feels like I'm almost like against my own words but that's kind of what it is they're like yeah. the, none of the tracks deviate very far at all from the sounds um, but every single song kicks up with a riff that you will instantly smile when you hear it it's just like this is fucking awesome um, and they've captured that vibe they've captured that kind of 70s era kind of rocky bluesy smoky room vibe really 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 well on this uh, vocally I love this guy's vocals anyway uh, but vocally he's, he's it shouldn't work as well because I mean Church of Misery is a different beast entirely because of the era of music they are doing which is from the same time period but it was a more aggressive time period but I, I liked it um, his accent at times comes on a bit thick uh, but that's to be expected he's a Japanese man singing in English I don't think I could do the reverse um, I'm fairly sure they would be appalled by hearing me say konnichiwa uh, <laughs> so you know what I mean like it's, it's that level of it but I thought it was really cool I thought his melodies once again not the He's not the greatest vocalist in the world, but actually on here, he's he fits really, really well into the equation. Um, yeah, this is kind of... It's a cool evolution. Like, had they just mm. given me another one of the previous albums, I would have been happy. Because uh, I, you know, I really liked that previous one here. But it kind of sounds like there's been a, a conscientious move to make this more a band. Um, mm. And I think on that level, it succeeds really 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 fucking well I once again also think that this is like this comes out in the same year as Stoner right which we mm-hmm. like we reviewed 
And that's in the same bubble as this. It's in the same genre. But this is better than that. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally agree. This is better than that. But, if anything, there's a lot more kind of downtime and fuckery on this than there was on the Stinner album. You know, yeah. where they're, they're experimenting and playing through their, you know, like really jamming things out. But I just think it's, it's better put together. Um, yeah. The length didn't bother me at all. Seven seven songs, 48 minutes. It didn't bother me. And it is, it's heavily loaded on the back half. The back half of the album is like almost two thirds of the album. Um, but it, it, it flowed really well for me. I think they're... I think they're great. I, I genuinely do. I think they scratch an itch that a lot of people don't necessarily know that they need scratched in music. Um, and they are, once again, a band that is very difficult to listen to and not feel kind of great once you've listened to it. I, I think um, me and my Bell Bottom Blues um, is a great follow-up. It's a great follow-up whilst showing a clear progression and evolution in the songwriting in the band. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was I wasn't as high on the first, the last one as you guys. I still enjoyed it, um, but I wasn't like it wasn't end of year stuff for me. Um, but I think what what is kind of kind of unbelievable about this is Rides Again was a completely instrumental album, so it was all about the bluesy sludgy riffs, yeah. um, and yet somehow they've made this album, which has a vocalist even more about the rims um, and, and you know in some ways like Rides Again was it probably felt more experimental um, because it was just you know it was all guitars they didn't have that vocal element so they would often veer into something more psychedelic or with a lot of lead work uh, like Jungle Cruise from Rides Again for example was very jam like took a lot of kind of sporadic detours um, this album it's weird it's really strange to get your head around this one because it doesn't sound like it was written in, you know, in the last couple of years, from the production alone, listening, you wouldn't you wouldn't think it was written, you know, in the last couple of years. But weirdly, I can tell by the riffs that it's that it's a more up to date Tatsu that, that's written it. Um, this isn't the same guy who wrote Rides Again in two thousand and five. Since then, he's put out, you know, by Kingdom Scum or um, Then There Were None by Church of Misery. Uh, and I'd say some of those kind of songwriting traits have bled over into the new kind of sonic flower. Um, the riffs are more, far more direct. Um, they are even more groovy. They're slightly heavier in places on this release. Um, it, it doesn't sound like a church of Mes church of misery heavy, um, but it's not like leaps and bounds away from it either. Um, and the riffs on this are just like I, I kind of like I imagine this is the sort of sort of riffs that guitarists put in their wank bank. You know what I mean? Instead of like <laughs> instead of a an image of Britney Spears' his butthole, like it's um, Tatsu Mikami riffs that they're putting in the white bank, you know what I mean? Um, this, yeah, this, it really just, it just it oozes kind of coolness at times. Um, and I, I totally agree with you, like when that Captain Frost kicks in, I was like, this is like, if Audio Sleeve started a band in the 70s, then they would sound something like this. Like, it's just, it sounds like something straight off of that self-titled album. Um, but there's also really like cool moments of like slide guitar, which leans into that kind of bluesy side a wee bit more, and touches of acoustic, which kind of adds to the mood. Um, I think I agree with you guys. I think what the, the main difference between Rides Again and this is this feels far more structured. You can hear the verse, the chorus, you know, the middle eight type arrangement, whereas Rides Again did feel a bit more experimental, a bit more jam orientated. This still has a bit of that, as you've said, um, but it does feel more organised overall. Um, 
obviously the rides again didn't have any vocals on it so you were solely reliant on the riffs and the musical hooks to be good enough to keep you engaged um, and they were um, but you know we all, we all enjoyed that album now this album still has the riffs um, you know it has the riffs but even more so than rides again but now we've also got this new element of the vocals um, and while they don't really like extend out with a certain range or style they do in my opinion give this band even more of a personality um, Kazuhiro um, fits fits the, that kind of retro style his vocals aren't aren't super pristine or always on point but that's what kind of makes this even more authentic um, it's the fact that they aren't kind of perfect that I think they work so well um, I'd maybe I'd maybe say they maybe are they do become a little bit samey maybe by the end of the album um, but I think from a, an album like this you're not expecting you know an album with big huge choruses um, you know what I mean I think the vocals are there to add energy they add character they complement the riffs um, and they do exactly that um, I think my my kind of my only kind of not my only letdown but one thing I didn't like about this album is I didn't like the opening track really? um, yeah it just didn't hit me at all um, I think vocally it's probably the, the catchiest if you can call it that but I just felt it was a kind of weird opener for me um, I don't think it's the most kind of hard-hitting track on the album. Um, Riffs-wise, it just it just wasn't as kind of memorable as the rest of the tracks. Um, so, um, although like I enjoyed this album, um, it wasn't an instant kind of home run when that first track kicked in. I was like, all right, okay, this is okay. But as the album moved on, I found it got better as it moved forward. Um, the riffs became more kind of impactful. The grooves were a bit more pronounced. Um, and I think more of their personality starts to kind of emerge as the album goes on. Um, I think the production is is like super kind of retro. Um, like it has, it's weird though. It has like a a lot of kind of. It's really it's heavy as a as a lot of modern sludge or southern metal albums, um, but it's got the character of something that was recorded in the seventies. Yeah. Um, and it's really fucking cool. Everything sounds like it was just jammed and recorded to analog tape. Like it. It doesn't sound like it's been digitally enhanced or cut and spliced. It sounds like they've just recorded and went, yeah, that's it, done. That's it, lads, done. Um, and it sounds exactly how you'd want this sort of stuff to sound. Um, it sounds like it sounds like it was made for vinyl, to be honest. Like, yeah. I, I own a ton of vinyl, but I'd buy one just to listen to this on, on it. Like, it sounds like it was made for that. Um, I think... Um, I think Rides Again, um, I enjoyed it. It wasn't an album that I came back to that often, to be honest. I think further listens of it for me, um, it was cool for what it was, but I, it kind of lacked something that lacked a bit of reward in the repeats for me. Um, I found this album more rewarding the more I listened to it. Um, and although the vocals don't, you know, they don't bring any kind of major hooks to the album, I think the, the extra element does kind of keep me more interested in the album. So, um, what are you thinking, uh, rating-wise, for me and my Bell Bottom Blues, Kyle? What are you th- what are you saying about this one? This one is a pretty easy five for me. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I loved it. We'll continue to love it. If it's not my end of year list, like I said, then something's wrong. But yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Duncan. Yeah, so you made a valid point there. Like, the re. Did I actually go back and listen to much of that Sonic Flower album after listening to the first one, Rides uh, Rides Again? No. Um, and having listened to it like specifically in the run up to this review, I would probably change my grade. I think I was like very, very, very excited, and, mm-hmm. I, and I flung a five. I would probably now revise that to a four, and I give this a four point five. 
I think there's a clear evolution. I think they have a five-star album in them. I definitely do. I think the next album, I think it's so tantalizingly close. Um, Mm. They're playing in waters which kind of benefit them to be a bit more out there and a bit more playful and a bit more bluesy and a bit more jammy. Um, Mm. That in itself will have an impact on its re-listen value. When I'm in the zone, it's you know, it t- you know, hits all the buttons. Mm. When I'm not necessarily in the zone, I don't know how quickly I'll pick up the album. Uh, but yeah. it's, it's it's great across the board. All the changes I've made are changes that benefited the sound. And mm. like I say, this is them, you know, kind of reforming to do new things with a bit a bit more effort. And I know he's trying to get Church of Misery back up and running as well, um, which I'm super curious to hear how that will sound now that he's got this in his headspace as well. You wonder how much of that's going to bleed through. Um, but yeah, I think the next album could potentially be a five. I think it's that close. So four point nice. five. Um, I would go four out of five on this one. Um, I, I enjoyed the album. I think it's got some really good riffs, um, and I, I think the production is is absolutely fitting for the sound. Um, I, I don't know, like for for the style. I think there are other albums that I would probably go to first before going to this, but still very enjoyable. There's still a lot to like on this. Um, vocals were were cool. I liked the guy's personality. A little bit samey for me, but um, still, yeah, very enjoyable album, I'll, I'll, and I'll definitely come back to it. I'll definitely check out again uh, throughout the year as we as we go through this. Um, so, Sonic Flower and Me and My Bell Bottom Blues is out on September 30th on Heavy Psych Sounds. Um, I'll add some links below to the band so you can check them out, Facebook and Bandcamp and all that sort of stuff, so you can check out the release. Let us know what you think. Um, stick some comments in below, and um, that is the review of that album so gentlemen um, I'm going to play some more music for you a little bit of uh, music just to chill you out just you know let you relax for a little chill and, uh, is it chill music you're playing though or nah, you, it's not no, chill of course it's not, not chill. I can see you uh, <laughs> um, and then um, we're going to get into some interview action gentlemen with the mighty arm for apocalypse um, our next single of the podcast comes from US progressive heavy metal band Interloper. Uh, last year, they released their debut album Search Party and have since undertaken several tours across America. Today, the band have released their new single, Bear the Weight. Uh, guitarist Miles Baker comments, Bear the Weight is a song about the struggle one goes through when their life starts to catch up with them. We're really proud of this one musically as well and think it shines some cool light on another area of our music. We hope you enjoy it. Um, well, I did enjoy it, my host. Thank you. <laughs> um, oh, thank hope, you very much. I hope you do too. Um, this is uh, Interloper, Bear the Weight. Check them out, facebook.com forward slash Interloper official if you like what you hear. And we'll be back with an interview right after this.
What's up, guys? It's Dave and Duncan back from Metal Epidemic. And uh, we are joined <laughs> from outside the, uh, the practice room for a few of the guys uh, uh, by Armed for Apocalypse. Uh, guys, how are you doing? Good, man. How you doing? What's up, Dave? Good to see you. All is well. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a minute since we last spoke. Um, about about nine years almost <laughs> um, since uh, since we caught up with you guys in uh, in Glasgow. Um, you, you were uh, you were on tour with uh, Thirty Six Crazy Fists. We saw you at um, King Tut's in Glasgow, uh, which was which was awesome. Uh, you were um, I think it would be it'd be the road will end. I think that one you guys would be kind of promoting at that time. Uh, so, um, so what's been happening in the last nine years? <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Yeah. I don't need to. Not much. Just kind of took a nap the whole time and <laughs> chilled out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did the guys in the van freeze? Where are they? Oh, I could... are we... like a little bit frozen. Yeah. You're like they're getting a little glitchy on. You. Cold in the van. Yeah, it's really cold. Are you deliberately moving in slow motion just to settle us all? <laughs> we are a sludge band, so we move really slow. But that yeah, well, that is true. Man, I, yeah. I will say the past nine years, though, if that's an honest question, it's, I mean, like, it's like trying to sum up your whole life in 30 seconds. It's impossible. I mean, yeah. literally entire lifetimes have happened, you know, between, amongst the four of us, probably literally like entire lifetimes have happened in, in the past nine years. So yeah. anything you can think of from life and career changes music changes uh you know kids for me all, all sorts of you know every, everything you can do in life i think this this group of people has probably been through over the past nine years yeah yeah for sure um yeah i mean there's guys have had a lot of kind of a lot of changes obviously um i think that the last time i spoke to to you guys in glasgow um nate's now now kind of main vocalist in the band um you've got got charlie obviously on base now as well you guys you had an ep out in 2018 um but we are we are now about well, about a month away or so from uh from your brand new album uh ritual violence um so you like you guys must be ecstatic to to finally have this new release on the horizon is it is this an album that's been kind of in the works for a while it's been yeah it's been a long time coming and i think we've had We'd ha we've had a lot of riffs for a while and just kind of it's it's been a little bit of a slow process but you know i think uh i think at, through all of it, it it's we're really happy with what we put out so and we also recorded it two years ago wasn't it yeah. almost next month oh really wow <laughs> jesus wow. it's kind of amazing what you can do when nobody's paying attention right and waiting for the next release like we had the record in the can for a long time but uh as as the world kind of you know, started to spin back up again. Uh, I think that was, though, uh, I'll speak for the guys here. I think we, right in the middle of that phase, when we had all these riffs and we had songs, we didn't know uh, what we were going to do. And we knew, you know, we were going to go record with Kurt and everything. It was, uh, it switched from, what are we going to do? It's going to take so long for this record to see the light of day mm -hmm. to how do we take advantage of it being so long mm -hmm. until this record sees the light of day, right? Mm -hmm. So, we were able to like refine songs, write more songs, uh, put every collection collection of riffs and songs that we had together and literally just vote on them. Like I give this one three points, this one two points, you know, like we went through this whole process. And I think that's why the record, like we're, we're so excited for the record, even though it's been a long time. I mean, it still feels, it still feels fresh to me and relevant. It doesn't, 
it's not one of those things where we've been sitting on it and touring on it and all of that stuff. It still feels, still feels fresh. Yeah. Um, um, yes, yeah, so obviously I mentioned you had your, your last EP was in, in 2018. Um, had, when did the kind of writing process for this album begin? Was it right after the EP or had, had stuff already been written before that? Uh, I mean, some of it was, uh, actually a collection from from what we what we put out for that ep we originally we recorded a whole basically a whole album's worth of songs and um i think we decided to just kind of take a few songs from it and put out an ep and then like kale was saying we took some of those songs and just like kind of refined them and uh just kind of picked what we could out of some of those riffs and then just made some new songs as well to join those and so i think we had 24 songs on the sheet right and it was like 24 songs <laughs> we wrote so, it down yeah. like 16 and then we were working on 16 and then i think we sent all those demo ideas to kurt and then i think it was like 14 and they got there and it was like yeah, yeah these are the songs we're gonna do right here and it was like <laughs> that was it like it was 11 and i think that I don't know. I think there was like one more, like "Fuck the Glory Days" or whatever. We were we, like, we were gonna do one more song, but I think just uh, time. It was just like a time issue, and so you know, uh, we only had so many days in the studio, so we just decided to drop a drop a song. Basically, like when we got there, we're like, eh, let's just. Mm-hmm. We don't think we'll have time for this one, so. Yeah. Yeah, but Kurt, I think Kurt was a good kind of guiding light on that. He was basically like, look, I've done a lot of records and I don't think you're going to have time. So it was like, cool, you know, like, and then I think we were left with, after all those 24 songs to the ones that we had, it was only the ones that we really couldn't live without. That were like, man, this would be, this would be a shame if this one wasn't on the record, you know? So um, I think that's why it feels like still fresh to us because these are all songs that we're super excited about. You know, yeah. we didn't put any filler tracks on there in our minds, even though I don't know what you guys will think. Who knows? But we feel well, like they're all strong. The, the, the other thing about it is, like, Kurt Ballou, like, the we marginally oh, obsessed at the moment. Oh, marginally obsessed. Like, if, if you were on paper, if you were to sit there and say, right, Arm for Apocalypse, they're sound. Who, if you could pick one producer <laughs> to work with them, who would it be? And it would have been Kurt Ballou. And I think... For, from from our perspective that seems it seems like such a like an obvious choice but at the same time like from your position like coming in on that with that guy's like repertoire now of bands that he's worked with and the, the way he manages to craft specific sims to them how daunting is that to go in or is that even something you think about is a case of like we know this guy has done all these stellar albums we don't need to worry about that um, so how, how does that, you know, how does that weigh into the decision to work with someone like that? I would say it's probably each one of us would have a different answer to that. So like, Charlie, what, how do you well, go down the line? Was that, were you intimidated or were you stoked or both? Both, I think. I mean, but intimidated <laughs> was strong. I mean, I was really excited to work with someone that I listened to his records for 20 years. Mm. You know, I fell in love with his own band when I was like in high school, Converge. And so... But there was in the back of my mind. I remember, I think I did yoga every morning with Nick and I didn't have a drink for the first like nine days we were there just to be focused and like yeah. be as as comfortable as possible. And 
my own skin with him. But once you start working with him, I think he's he's realistic, but also like he wants to work with you. Yeah. And no, it was a hell of experience. <laughs> what about what about you, Harris? I I remember being more stoked about you guys being stoked because <laughs> like, no, seriously, because at the end of the day, I really didn't. You know, like I had listened to Converge. Like Kale and I were talking about this the other day. Like when we first started this band, Kale gave me a Converge record, and I was like, okay. I, like I remember listening and like trying to like because I didn't I didn't listen to that kind of heavy music back then. You know, in like 2007. But anyway, long story short, I I didn't. I was more stoked that the guys were stoked about it, <laughs> and I didn't really care what we did or who we did it with. But I just knew that. They were stoked, so I was like, all right, cool, I can get behind this. And then when we got there, or before we got there, I had started listening to more Converge, and that's when I found You Fail Me, and I was like, this shit is, like, this is fucking awesome. Like, oh, my gosh, this is so rad. <laughs> and then going in there, and I remember him, I remember saying, like, yeah, man, I, I'll just do whatever you tell me. He's like, well, I kind of like it to be more collaborative. And I was like, oh, all right, cool. So then working with him on drums and stuff, Never once did I feel intimidated because he was so, like, ego out the window. Like, he was so yeah. cool. Like, that was really cool. Like, you know, can you dig him and dig into this more or whatever? Or, like, I had these ideas and he'd be like, that's, like, cool. Yeah, cool, cool. But, like, maybe you could do it like this or whatever. And it was just done in a way where I never felt like an idiot. Mm-hmm. He just made me feel like his teammate. Mm-hmm. And, okay, for example, we had all the click checks all mapped out. We're like, we're ready to go. He's like, yeah, yeah, cool. I appreciate you that. But play the song. And we're like, okay, we play the song. And he's like, yeah, so you're pushing and pulling here. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, you want to play it faster here. So I'm like, how do you know that? He's like, he changed the click and it was easier to play. And then it was like, oh my gosh, this guy can like just, he knows exactly what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, he had it all figured out. Anyway, long story short, I was pumped. <laughs> <laughs> well nate you had the most then you had vocals and guitar so and i mean I'll, honestly i was so nervous the first day when we got into the studio with him i was i mean he's like one of my musical idols and also just like producer wise an idol and so i was like very quiet the first day it's just like oh yes uh, i know you and then but by the second day is like when he just made us feel a lot more yeah. Uh, I mean, for me though, I was like you guys. I was, I was like there. You know, we've been lucky to work with uh, our friends. You know, like Eric Stenman and Chris Keen and Matt Petty and those and those guys. Uh, but I feel like we put them through a lot of like we're handing them like a gajillion different uh, sessions and trying to make it sound like a cohesive thing. And we were just asking a lot of them. And I think a long time ago, I was like we should be recording with Kurt Blue. This is like kind of the sounds that I have in my head. I feel like go right along with the production that I hear from him. And I think I saw Nate at like a Christmas party a long time ago. And I was like, I want to do the next record with Kurt Blue. And he was like kind of new in the band. And he was like, fuck yeah, that would sound so nasty. And then, you know, like literally life just went in like such crazy directions that we ended up like piecing together that EP. And um, I think it, you know, the parts of it that people haven't heard sound are the parts that sound, I think, pieced together. So when it came to this one, when we decided that we were going to do it, I think like as a group, it was like, let's not 
compromise anymore. Let's not record until it can be with somebody like that. If it's not Kurt, it's got to be somebody like that, yeah. you know, that yeah. we're really excited about that we can go in and knock everything out in one session. So it all sounds cohesive. Like it sounds like a band, like how we feel like the band sounds live, except mm -hmm. a little bit better. And yeah. so it was, I think, again, one of those things where we took it as the gift of time. Like we could wait until we could do it with somebody that we were really excited about. And I think that that attitude sort of is the common through line of the whole record mm. is we did the songs we wanted with the person that we wanted, you know, the artwork yeah. with the person that we wanted, the label that we, you know, all that, all that is, has just been, I think the consistent theme looking back on it now anyway. And I yeah. also got like, I was, uh, like driving conjure in the USA or in the U S and actually we were in Canada at this point and like everyone had passed out and I was driving and Brady was sitting next to me and we were talking about like, what does Arm for apocalypse do? Like, what do we do? And Brady's like, you've got to have a big time producer. It's gotta be like Kurt Ballou or it's, I can't remember what he like named a few different people. And, and I remember like getting to Kelowna and I hit native I'm like, yo, dude, this is what, this is what this is what Brady thinks. This is what I'm thinking about, and he's like, "All right, okay, cool." And like we went around to each band member, and we're like, "We gotta do it." Okay, cool. And then it was like, Kirk Kale's like, "Okay, I'll, I'll just reach out to him because they, they had already talked, and they had already like switched gear or something. They had like some kind of yeah, friendship." Yeah, yeah. Well, he saw us playing in Boston. Oh yeah, but dude, that was afterwards. We oh, had, yeah. we had like talked to then Kale reached out to him. And he was into mm -hmm. it, and then we were out with. Um, we were out with Mongol Horde, uh, Frank Turner's like the the hardcore band he has, mm. and then that's that night he came out to see them play because he had made he had made Matt uh, a guitar, mm. so they were already homies. So then he came to the show and I remember like playing and like looking over and I'm like, <laughs> well, I remember we were right it was like thirty seconds. You know, I had my glasses off. We're like huddled up, ready to go, doing like a just a pregame ritual real quick. And Matt comes out and goes, hey, guys, I want you to meet my friend, Kurt. And I was like, you couldn't have waited until after the set. He was so nice. I mean, it was, it was great. But was, I was just like, yeah, you so couldn't nice. have waited, like, the next three minutes. <laughs> he watched at least. I was I remember, great. I remember, like, clocking, because like, I wasn't all starstruck about it. But, like, I remember clocking, like, I saw him. He watched at least four full songs. And then it was like, cool, like, I'll record you guys. Yeah, and that was it. And that, it was about that intensive. He was like, "Yeah, cool, I'll do it." Well, uh, and that I think maybe set the record for the longest answer in history to a question. Uh, <laughs> a I would much rather have a long answer than yep. <laughs> long story short, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I suppose as well, like because you t you touched on it, the the genre of music that you guys are in just now really does benefit, like big production and it makes me wonder like because like can that sludgy sound for the longest time just seemed to be something that you know the the, the kind of the, the idea was no, no no it has to have that garage vibe you know it has to you know like, it has to sound like everyone's in one sweaty room and no one can breathe and you can't move and that's how you record something sludgy and i think in the last like seven eight years that's went the other way and you've got these producers now who like are like technically proficient that are working and rather than the the, the the kind of feeling that was around was as soon as you do that you lose the 
you lose the sound. If anything, it amplifies it. So uh, now I know Dave is listening to the entire album. I listened to I cram listened to three songs uh, before. We, I don't like to listen to anything until we're about ready to record because then I end up listening to other things and I lose my train of thought. And I listened to three, and it sounds fucking monstrous, like absolutely ridiculously huge. Um, to the point that I, I was actually struggling not... I was like, just listen to another track, but I have to record it. Just listen to another one. Um, so, like, in, in terms of that, like, having to sit on that for the amount of time that you have as well, at this stage now, it must be like, let's get the album out, let's get touring, let's, you know, hit the, the ground running. How difficult has it been, realistically, to have all that in the bag and ready to go and still have to be kind of like, oh, well, you know... We'll, we'll, we can hold off another month. <laughs> it's, it's been a struggle. I mean, but part of it is like hasn't been, you know, up to us. You know, we went through the pandemic and everything. So like shows weren't happening. So it was yeah. like, well, it was kind of a good time that we did record and had this time that nothing was happening at all. And uh, I mean, you know, since shows have been happening again, it has been like, we want to want to get it out and then like you know this weekend we're going to be playing uh, a couple songs off the album for the first time nice. you know, live so we're really excited to do that as well so. and you, you've been in a position as well where you have an album recorded pre kind of pre-pandemic as well so your album won't be focused on that whereas a lot of bands like spent that time like cram recording and you can the amount of albums that like the, the press releases come in and say that you know you know, influence inspired by the two years of trauma uh, that was the pandemic. And there's a lot of that come out. I think it's had a particular shape on music, but like there are bands that had stuff recorded pre or have like kind of jumped in right afterwards and done stuff there as well. I think there'll, there'll be a refreshing sound to that as well. Like, you know, like that idea that it's not laser focused on like for what was for most people like the most miserable two years like ever. So I think that in a lot of ways benefits it. Yes, I think the the album can't help but have some of those things in it, like with Nate's lyrics and the and the yeah. vibe of the album. I think the finished product was definitely uh, the pandemic kind of crept into it. We def yeah. I didn't want to write like a pandemic record, you know. That <laughs> seemed like so to uh, I don't know, like of the day, you know. It's going to sound very dated in, in several years when that's yeah. all over. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where having to choose from all these songs and riffs that we had before. And then getting to supplement that with what was happening, you know, at the moment. Uh, I think that's what makes it just feel like a record for us. It doesn't feel like a pandemic record um, it, for me. And, and I'm speaking for the rest of the guys here. And and then secondarily to your, your point about the recording, I completely agree about like it used to be, have the same death metal. Like, you know, like all like black metal and death metal had to sound like shit or else it didn't. Yeah. It wasn't cool, right? <laughs> yeah. um, I think that sludge stuff went through that phase for a long time as well if it wasn't recorded just like on two mics with like weird sounding drums then it was like you know oh it's too polished and everything but now the level has raised to the point where you can't like that doesn't pass anymore it just doesn't like it's got it's gotten past that point where there's no excuse for having like a terrible recording but you never wanted to have a super clean robotic sounding recording you know like everything crazy lined up and perfect and I think that's why Kurt to us was the perfect guy because his recordings still have air in them. They still have teeth, you know, like real sounds. And the, it sounds like a band playing music instead of like a digital representation 
of a band playing mm-hmm. music. Yeah. Um, but I, anyway, I just wanted to touch on that because I completely, and I've talked to talk on that topic with my, with my musician friends before of like music is heavy recorded heavier now than it's ever been ever. Oh, yeah. So if you come out with like some garage band recording, it's just not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. And I felt like we were on that path and that's why we had to be intentional about working with Kurt. And then we recorded it on our time, on our budget with the person that we wanted. And yeah, all of the themes of the day kind of snuck in there, but um, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like I'm going to look back and say like, oh shit, that sounds like a pandemic record. All they're talking about is the pandemic and the feelings that went along with it. I I don't feel like it's like that. Nate might feel differently because he did, you know, all the lyrics and everything. So I think that that's a personal experience for him. Yeah, I think I think we just use the pandemic as a as a time to just focus on the yeah. on the music and not yeah. I mean, you don't have to worry about tour because we're a band we've never made any money on tour yeah. so tour is like, like a drain on your resources and we didn't have to worry about tour and we could just worry about the record yeah like that was kind of refreshing I think for the guys especially you know because they played a million shows going into the pandemic like 150 plus in 2019 mm. and then it was just like shut off and. You know, then it was like, well, you can actually work and make money and live yeah. your life. And you can just focus on this <laughs> yeah. record. Yeah. Uh, so I think it just, it's one of those things now, I think when we were intentional about it, it seems like the, the stars kind of aligned to make a good record. But I, I do think um, it was a conscious decision by the, by the group to make it like, to use it to an advantage. And yeah. that's why we're, we have something that we're proud of. Whether people like it or not, that remains to be seen. I'm super flattered that you guys seem to like it. So thank you for that. Um, well, that's all Dave has talked yeah. about for the last, yeah. honestly. Yeah, it's true. Um, it just segs with anything like, what do you want from the McDonald's drive through? Oh, well, that arm from Apocalypse album is really good. <laughs> I mean, thanks, Dave. <laughs> it's not last year, but um, I'll, I'll, let him, I'll let him chat. Uh, yeah, probably. you. You, you guys are obviously, you're known for those kind of like the big, filthy kind of sludge grooves. Um, but the, the album itself is, is, is actually, it's very varied in tempo and, and style. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a track called Lifeless on the album, which is just relentless um, to begin with, um, but eventually kind of drops into that like kind of sludge city by the end of the track. And then you've got like tracks like uh, Live, Live Through the Storm, which has almost this kind of like these kind of melodic kind of noise rock kind of tails on the end of some of the riffs, which felt a little bit different for you guys too. Or, or uh, For Doomed, For Doomed has one of the best southern groove riffs I've heard in a long time. Just ridiculous. It's one of those riffs that just make you smile instantly. You're just like, you're, ah, yes. You're making us all smile right now. This is uh, <laughs> extremely flattering. Thank you. Thank you. It's so good, man. The, uh, the last track, I won't spoil it, but there's a bit of a kind of surprise on um, Eternally Broken as well, which is really cool. Um, do you guys, do you feel like, do you feel like this is the kind of best like representation of Arm for Apocalypse so far? Uh, I, I mean, I would, I'm going to speak for me and Nick have been in the band the longest. So I guess we're probably the most qualified to answer that. And I would say it's probably not even close. Mm. Um, I think like we really had to fight to get the best representation of what we thought we were at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, to no fault of anybody else. I mean, it was really just our c- circumstances and, and where we were at the time. We just couldn't quite get there. I don't really feel like our records really delivered on who we thought we were. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, like, I feel like Nate, the songs that he like lived through the storm is Nate beginning to end wrote every Thank note you. of that song. And it sounds like us. And it's like a song I would love to hear, you know, like when he sent me the demo, I was like, what? yeah, this is so, you know, like I was so pumped. I couldn't believe this guy was in my band. I was like, these are riffs that I'm so stoked on, you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like everybody though in the group had those moments, you know what I mean? Where they got to contribute the best of who we are as people. Yeah. And pl- really play to our strengths in the group. And um, so, yeah, I would say it's not really it's not really close. And I, I also think we didn't really overthink the record. I didn't try to talk Nate out of any riffs or songs. It was, I think, if I submitted a song to the group just for them to check out, it was more like a thumbs up or thumbs down. Mm-hmm. That was it. Like, we weren't like, hey, let's bash our heads against the wall and try to make a song out of it. It was like, it either got us smoked or it didn't. Yeah. And um, I think we just ended up with a bunch of thumbs ups. Like we feel really good about these things. All of them get us excited and just like hope we can execute in the studio and yeah. get it to where we where what we think it's going to sound like in our heads. And then at the end, I think it surpassed that for me. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, Nick, maybe you have a different view or, or guys, maybe you do, but I think for sure it's the best representation. And I think now that we know that that's possible, I actually get excited for what we could do in the future. Yep. Now that we know that we can get there, yep. you know what I mean? Now it's like, well, shit, how far can we, how far can we take that? You know? Mm. I actually think that like with Nate's writing, not that like, you know, Kirk's wasn't as like good or whatever, you know, but I think that the way Nate sees things and the way he like projects them and gets them out is the part we were actually like missing as a band mm-hmm. so like now yeah. that he was like now that he's come in and been like yo i got this like cool riff you know and he's all mellow about it but it's like the most aggressive pissed off thing ever you know and like dude like and it's like an element i don't think we were able to tap into and again like not that like, kirk or Corey couldn't write these things it was just that the way Nate presents them, and we're like, oh, like, I don't know, like, there's like sludgy, like, heavy riffs that Nate wrote, like, and before you could be able to pick out, that's a Kale riff, this is a Kirk riff, mm-hmm. blah, 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 you know, and like now I feel like it's just an arm for apocalypse riff. Does that, yeah. that make any sense? Yeah. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but like, I feel like the merge of these two, and then the way that like Charlie and I complement the way they write. Mm. I, I just feel like it's a, a more cohesive, flowing type thing. I, I think we're I think we're like blending our writing styles well, you know, without going too far off in one direction, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it sounds like I've listened. I've listened to the album a few times, but it sounds like it sounds like um, it does sound like you've tried some some new things. You know, some of them are quite subtle, but um, was. Was it was it a, like a kind of conscious thing that you were you were trying these little elements, or did it just was it just a kind of organic kind of natural thing that happened with the writing of this album? I think it's just you know I we, we just try to write stuff that we like to listen yeah. to, yeah. like to play, and you know like Kayla saying it's like yeah we I, we send each other demos and it's like hey do we like this do we not you know and. It's like I there wasn't anything that I was like going for as far as like writing goes, writing the songs like, oh, it's got to be 
like this and this riff has to be like this like it's just like just one right heavy music and like if we if we all like it and agree on it and it like meshes well together then it's like you know, thumbs up yeah 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 i mean that's, that's I, I, just, I just write whatever thing. comes to my head regardless of what even whether it's an arm for apocalypse song or not i just try to write whatever comes to my head at that moment and then some stuff i'll send to the guys and if it strikes them then cool and if it doesn't then i just move on and i think that nate's that same way too just whenever inspiration strikes strikes he just writes whatever happens happens you know and um but i feel like sometimes we have to pull that out of nate like don't you don't hide that yourself that's sticking with us you know what i mean like that's too badass to to live in your hard drive somewhere um yeah but i feel like that's a that there's a lot of freedom in that it's just kind of write whatever comes to your head mm-hmm. and like what if it inspires the guys then let's just go and not really question it too much you know it's, it's a weird concept because you think that on, on paper that's how it should be like as a musician like whatever inspires you should be the thing that you go with but i think bands get locked into i think part of it's bands part of its labels and part of its fans where they're like that well no this is your sound and that's what we want in every album and you have to do that in every album or you know you're going to upset us and we're the ones that buy your albums and all the rest where it should really be about what makes the musicians happy like the direction should never feel like you're churning something out which is just what everyone else wants to hear it should always be what you want to do ultimately and like people will gravitate to that for sure i think you can chart those bands that that hit those albums where it's not the sound they're necessarily known for but what they're doing is pushing boundaries it's changing changing the way things and yeah they'll maybe lose one or two fans but then they bring in more people who then start to 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 rally around it i think that the thing once again speaking as someone that's only heard three songs um but like the thing that kind of stood out to me was not only how huge it sounded, but like there was just this. There's a supreme confidence in the songwriting, which just like flows right out right from the start. Um, and from what you're saying, it, it certainly kind of backs that up. I suppose like from from my perspective, now that you now that like from for what most of your songwriting is now going to be like moving forward where things are kind of off the table. Is that a, a kind of methodology you'll use moving forward, the kind of the voting up, voting down system? Or is that a case of you're just going to like, once again, just see what fits that time, that environment and, and how your lives are? I mean, I would, I, I look, I just look to bands that I admire, you know, bands that have staying power, um, that maybe they're, fan base is kind of ebb and flow but they're gonna do what inspires them regardless you know so i think of bands like the deftones or something like that right um every album has some new fresh twist but it always sounds like them somehow right but they still are only doing what inspires them sometimes that's to the detriment of their career but to the benefit of them as people Mm -hmm. and artists and that's why they're still around and they're still still relevant and still touring and i can think of a few other bands like that um i think that's as a group those are the type of bands that we admire um you know i don't i i would feel way too much pressure if i was only writing stuff for other people to like yeah um you know i just wouldn't feel i don't even know if i would do it to be honest with you you know because uh i just get the most stoked when 
I send something to Nick and he writes me back a text with like 17 exclamation points, you know, I'm like, <laughs> that's it, you know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I remember like uh, when I did uh, send Kale live through the storm originally, I sent him the demo and, you know, I was like, I was like questioning it. Like, is this an A for A song? And I sent him the demo. I was like, Hey, can you check this out? Like, well, this, do you think this is like, to offer us and i remember his text back just said if this isn't an arm for apocalypse song i don't want to be in this band (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i I think moving forward that that's it that's the reaction you know that we're probably going to write for as long as we're making music together um whether the label or um you know the people that listen to it for fortune enough to have a lot of people listen to it and they have expectations Mm -hmm. I think when you just set the expectation that we're going to do what inspires us, I think it's more exciting to wonder what the band is going to do next than to know what you're getting every time. Hmm. Um, That's just for me. I admire those type of bands and I would like to, I've always aspired to be that type of band. And I just think we wouldn't be comfortable operating any other way in this, in this group dynamic anyway. They're the bands that like, I think are the ones that have the biggest impact as well. Like the, you, the, the amount of, the amount of times you get like a bit of a press or you hear an interview from a musician in a band who loves this really obscure album by this, you know, it's like Deftones is a great example of that because like in the last five years, the amount of bands that have like huge Deftone influences is absolutely insane. And you would think it would all be White Pony stuff. You would be like, well, White Pony was the album that, you know, like set them off into the stratosphere. And you listen to it, I hear like like bits from like Saturday Night Wrist or like like Diamond Eyes. And I'm like, that's like so like, like and it's the obscure stuff. But like, I think that's the thing. I think you like you, as long as you're doing what makes you happy and musically fulfilled, it is going to have an audience out there. It is going to inspire people. And those people will go on and do their, their own thing off it. Um, in terms of like the album, not that far away, how aggressive is the, the touring cycle for this one? Because you guys are known to tour pretty aggressively. So uh, how, how's that kind of shaping up? Uh, honestly, that's been the, the slowest part of the whole thing. And, I'm, and I think that that's partially, you know, the state of the music industry and everything mm. like that. I also think, it, you know, it may be a symptom of, like, let's see how people respond to this record first. And then, you know, like, and this is not just not us, it's more like the business side of it. Like, let's see how people respond to this record first before um, we start kind of placing heavy bets. You have Um, nothing to worry about, Kayla. Yeah, I mean, I think so far the feedback has been so strong that we're really confident that uh, the the guys, because I don't, you know, I don't don't tour with the band. Uh, I've toured with the band for a while, for for a while now and I, I just want the guys to work you know play like 250 shows on this record that that's what i want and then while i'm at home collecting riffs you know like writing riffs so like that's my part it's like when they come home hopefully i've got like 10 new things for them to listen to hmm. so it just kind of keeps everything moving um yeah. that's what i hope for i hope it's the most intense touring cycle i really really do for the guys because they deserve it because they put in a lot of work in that 2019 when nobody was was watching you know just to just to say like we're ready to put in the work mm-hmm. and i have a lot of admiration for my you know for the guys in the van that are listening to me talk about them like they're not here but uh, <laughs> uh 
seriously, I, I don't think people understand that there was no, there was no ego. It's just like, we've got to earn our spot in the place of, of the heavy music world. And we're only going to do that by playing a lot of shows and taking this seriously and showing people that we are serious. Mm. Um, so I'm hoping that this record kind of affords them the ability to maybe not sleep in some Walmart parking lots sometimes <laughs> and do some more real tours, uh, you know, like more higher level tours, but do a, a, as many shows as they can possibly, as they can possibly do. I think mm. it's going to be the best touring cycle that, the band has ever done but that remains to be seen selfishly obviously i've got to ask <laughs> yeah like whatever comes down and we'll we'll, we'll take it but uh, um scotland guys we need you back in scotland when's that gonna happen can't wait <laughs> soon. Uh, i wish we had a date on the calendar right uh, <clears throat> But they, I mean, the UK is always a priority. I feel like always, uh, you know, uh, our candlelight's based out of UK. We have a lot of friends there. I just feel like it's like a, a second home base band. You yeah. know, the UK has always been very, very good to us. And I think it's, um, we feel like we're doing well. If there are UK plans on the horizon, then we're like, okay, you know, we're, we're doing all right, but there's no date, no date on the calendar yet. There will be, I mean, hopefully within the calendar or, you know, within next year, there's a couple of, a couple of Glasgow dates on there, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. That would be awesome. I just want to be, I want the man to be on the festival circuit next, you know, like yeah. those festivals always seem so rad mm -hmm. and like, that's what I want. I want them. I want the festivals. That would be so fun to see. Yeah. You're quite a, quite a, quite a fan of, of doing something like that, about a kind of bigger size. I know like there's some bands like Machine Head just, they played Bloodstock over here just recently, but Prior to that, they don't really do like festivals. They just don't do those type of shows. But that's something you guys would be completely open to. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, we'll play. We'll play whatever. <laughs> we want to out there and play at this point. Like, we're sick of sitting around. I think you know. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's it's nice to have that luxury. <laughs> like Machine Head was just like, nah, we'll not bother with, with festivals now. <laughs> and that's yeah, pretty cool. My choice. That's a whole. That's a whole different deal. You know. And if I was Machine Head, I think they want to be in charge of their career and just say like, hey, we're gonna go. We're gonna play to our crowds and yeah. do our thing. And I think that that's really cool. I just want the band to get exposed to as many different types of heavy music mm -hmm. fans as there are, because I think mm -hmm. it kind of touches some notes in a lot of different genres. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think festivals would be really cool. But I mean, we, prime, we are prime for Hellfest, Steve. <clears throat> prime for Hellfest. 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 Yeah. Like Hellfest oh, is the most insane lineup ever. And if ever there was an audience pre preset from <laughs> for Apocalypse, it's the Hellfest crowd for sure. That would be that would be the dream. If you know anybody that can get us get the band on Hellfest, talk to them. <laughs> Lisa will do it. Lisa, Lisa, yeah. the, like Lisa, know, literally can Lisa. make anything happen. She's like, honestly, I'm typing her an email right now. Help yeah. us. <laughs> like, I'm at the position now where I'm surprised when someone doesn't know Lisa. Like, <laughs> so like, I'm like, you don't know Lisa. Um, uh, like, yeah, for sure. I, I think uh, as well. I'd like. Um, I, I never saw you play at Tuts. Uh, um, I can't remember why. I'm going to say Dave didn't invite me. I think you were out of um, the country, were you not? That seems good. Let's stick with it. Um, <laughs> I wasn't. There. Yeah, I, I, and the thing is as well. Like, <clears throat> I, I think it, it it says a lot. Like, cause like especially at that time, with bands like Thirty Six Crazy Fist doing their kind of transitional thing in their sound, 
on that tour. In terms of now with your sound being as it is, once again three songs. Um, <laughs> like there, there, there feels like there, there feels like you, you've there's so much opportunity there for different lineups that are not specifically sludge related or doom related or you know, like, like the sound feels like it could just slot in so so nice with with lots of different bands. Is there anyone like in the next year that you would really like if we could get out and tour with them? And even if it is, even if it is fantasy booking here, um, who would you like? Who would you like to go? I, I, I bet we would all have a different answer. Like, I want to do the That'll same make it thing. More fun the then. Let's go, I want to go down the line and see what like everybody's <laughs> answer is. Because I'm fascinated by this question, yeah. actually. Like Charlie, if you could be like, "Ooh, we play with that band," I think we would be a killer fit, and it would be a rad tour for us. Who would it be? Uh, do you hear that new Will Haven song? <laughs> I did. I, did. Sick. I, I texted Jeff. I was like, "Dude, this is the heaviest song you've written in years." That thing is killer. Yeah, like, I mean, that'd, that'd be rad. I don't know. I mean, fuck. I think I could have another answer in like ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair. Uh, Fair. But I mean, I would love to see the Conjurer dudes again too. Yes. That, that yep. was the, the one of the last tours we did in 2019 was with them, and it was a blast. So yeah, yeah. I just. Let's just get out of the album. It's absolutely yeah. ridiculous as well. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. they're new records. So good. Okay, what about you, Harris? What's your answer to that one? Um, honestly, did you guys see that thing that Sepultura did with like the orchestra? Mm. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, for the Rock and Rio. Yeah, not that I want to do that per se, but I that's still like I love watching that band every night. You know, <laughs> they just like bring it to the utmost professionalism and heaviness and the drummers are always silly tight and good you know yeah. um yeah. yeah i'd say sepultura you know um i mean revocation has that new record coming out or came out september 9th and that's that's cool yeah. i don't know i i, I kind of like whatever band we go out with i'm gonna watch them every night and just be inspired so you know i'm kind of stoked on whoever that's gonna be you know so all right nate what do you got you know, this this is a hard question for me. Um, I I think we work well with a lot of different styles of heavy bands, so I I there's not one that really like comes in mind that like oh I think we would like go great with this and that would be a good crowd. I mean I think we, uh, yeah I think we tend to blend well with a lot of different heavy bands. So. I'm going to skip and go to the <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, Did you guys want to go out with Well, Converge? of course I would want to go out with yeah. I mean, that's like a dream come true to me. I mean, but, you yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, I think my answer to that probably would be Converge just because they're so legendary. You know, um, we never got to share a stage with them before. And I, I've always thought that, like, uh, our style of, like, slower heavy metal does, uh, it lands really well when it's the, where the different band on the show, you know what I mean? Like if you get kind of like some spastic bands or some uh, blast beaty bands, and then we play and it's like very slow and deliberate in most parts. And there's still fast parts and all that stuff too. But I feel like it does, you know, that's our, I don't want to go out and it kind of is boring to go out with a bunch of bands that you sound, you know, you sound just like them and stuff. Yeah. I like, I like different type of bills. So um, Converge would be really, really fun. I think that would be just such a fun one. And then, uh, I know I like that band that Will Putney's in, and that's like 
Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, they're not going to sell out arenas or whatever, but I just want to watch them play every night because they're so badass. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think bands like that, that would be that would be my ideal. I just want to tour with bands that I want to see all the time. Yeah. You know, honestly, like that's why we love playing with Crowbar all the time because you get to watch Crowbar all the time. Right. <laughs> Sounds good to I me. Been <laughs> like, I, I've never missed this Crowbar set. I always watch it. They're always going to deliver. Always, always. Every night. Yeah. So I hope that answered your questions, even though Nate Nate was a coward on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, 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 I think it, I think it underlined the point there. You like, essentially picked five bands that don't sound alike at all. Yeah, um, all five of them sound completely different. Um, yeah, I think I think it does. I think you. I, I I would go and see any of those. Um, even if you, even if you did decide to have a, a symphony orchestra on stage just for you guys, I would still go and see that. I yeah. think I think you guys could make that work. <laughs> and I also don't think any sludge that. band has done that yet, so I'm not saying. I'm just That's saying that next level I was talking about <laughs> yeah. on the next record, <laughs> yeah. orchestra, all sorts of. Yeah. Awesome. I think um, th- this year, if I was picking for for this year, no. um, just from from albums that I've really enjoyed this year, I think um, you guys with um, Mountaineer. Oh, I love Mountaineer! Um, if you've heard Mountaineer before, they're kind of kind of sludgy, kind of dreamy. What's it? They've got a particular um, genre classification. It's like sludgy dream pop. They kind of class themselves as, um, and. Um, Hangman's Chair would be the other one. Those, that, those three, that would be a bit ideal. Hangman's Chair, kind of, kind of, again, kind of shoegazy, kind of doom stuff. But um, that would be my pick for this year. Just on on releases from this year, the, the three of you guys together would be would be perfect for me. <laughs> what about you, Duncan? What do you think? Uh, Mountaineer is a hundred percent like get like see if you used to group together, maybe you could get them over here as well. <laughs> um, so they're they're um they're out at San Francisco, San Francisco Washington, I think. I think. Yeah. And they're just like they're they're just America's oh. dirty little secret at the moment. <laughs> and they've got two albums back to back that are absolutely like jaw droppingly good. Um and no I one's talking about them. Uh, yeah, no one's talking about it. the first album's Bloodlet and then the second album was the one that I really liked and I forgot its name because it wasn't <laughs> a million albums this year. Um so so that yeah like for for sure. Um I, I think Conjurer's like, yeah. like the, the, you mentioned that now that just that plane in my head is just like, yes, I would, I would spend a lot of money at that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think the thing is as well, we're just really excited to, to see you guys back out yeah. and stuff and, um, uh, really looking forward to, to seeing the success you're going to have. You are going to have with this album. I don't think there's any getting around with it. So, uh, it's very exciting. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah, that's incredibly kind of you to say, and that train to say as well. Train tracks, train tracks. That's all you need. All you need is train tracks, man. I, I think that's where you guys took your band photo, right? <laughs> Literally, right where they are. <laughs> I remember that train sound. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the quick passenger train instead of the long freight train that yeah. stops. Sometimes and... they stop right here, and you can't get out. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> It's great. Oh, what's that band that Conjure is going out with? Uh, that kind of sounded that uh, Sugar Horse. Oh, oh Sugar. See, did you hear the, the, I'm all about that band right now. Oh, their new band. single literally gave me an erection. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll jump on from that. Like, are there another band? Like, you listen to the chorus section, that Deftones as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, Those dreamy parts that they have are so cool. I love that band. They're awesome. 
yeah. I'm jealous that Conjure is getting to play with them on their headliner. It's going to be a, a yeah. Sweet. We should be uh, we should be going to that. They're playing in Glasgow in, in November, so um, hopefully we're going to catch them. We'll uh, tell them. We'll tell them they need to tour with you guys. So yeah. Please, yeah. yeah, please we'll get that sorted. It's killer. They're really good. They're cool. Brady actually uh, from Conjure turned me on to them. And I, you know, I think I kind of discounted it at first because the name of the song was like "Pictures of Dogs Having Sex" or whatever. And <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, what is, you know, I was like, "What is Brady sending me?" And then I listened to it. I was like, "All right, this is like my favorite song right now. This is shit. <laughs> super rad. Awesome. It's so good. Yeah, it's yeah. so good." There's there's another one that just come to mind. If you get a chance, I'd like you, you guys probably know them better than I do. Uh, there's a, an American band called Bummer hmm. that Bummer. are just yeah, Bummer that are from. Were they from Kansas? I think, and it's the it's the nat they're a three piece and it's the nastiest just fucking stank sending thing ever. Um, yeah. And you guys would also work really well with them. So oh, sounds right. Um, and they, 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 they seem they seem like they've got a really good sense of humor. Oh, if you follow them on Twitter, they just complain about their bus breaking down um, all the time. But they've got the most unlucky bus ever. Just constantly breaks down. So. I think we can go toe to toe with Vans. Um, <laughs> Not as much now, but in the past, holy Moses! Man, we right have dude. the van in the shop. Van's in the shop right yeah, now. Literally getting ready yeah. to go for tomorrow. Yeah, van in the shop. I mean, but it's just it's perpetual. Like the van, if the van isn't in the shop, it is absolutely past due and should be critically like in the shop. <laughs> Always since the since the day we started this band, it's just like we've had a broken van all the time. A couple of tours where there wasn't van problems, that's about it. And it's like you feel like you have a twitch afterwards because there wasn't a van problem. Like what happened? Well, so we're missing something. It's always that way, right? I mean, I feel like sometimes we would take even weird cars on tour and they would break down. Like they would have problems. I don't know. Whatever. I'm, I'm not saying, you, don't, you don't get this over here because no band has to travel more than two, two hours. <laughs> like that's the thing. Like you guys are like, yeah, just a small six-hour drive to our next gig. Oh, my my eyes literally great. watered when you said it as well. I was like, oh no, six hours. <laughs> One driver? Whoa, whoa, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not happening. Six hours over there, you can go through two countries. That's all yeah. I said. That you can drive the length of Scotland in uh, yeah. about four. So. Very fortunate. Very, very fortunate over there. Not like that here. I think the guys and I right now, we're probably, what, a 10-hour drive apart. Really? It's eight. Eight and a half, yeah. So it's, and we've done it. I mean, I've done it in my life probably 20 times. I don't know. Tons of times. It's not fun. <laughs> but also, thanks for the kind word on the success of the record. Like, I know... I don't. I just don't want to let that pass. You know, yeah. like it's super, super flattering to us when anybody likes what we do. And so, like when you say those type of things, I don't want to just take it for granted and be like, oh, of course. Like, it really is uh, super, super flattering to us, and uh, to the point where we don't really know how to respond to it appropriately. So, <laughs> so it's, it's all true, man. Um, I mean, I, I, I've been following you guys for such a long time. Um, I could easily you know, just you know, just throw compliments at you, but I genuinely mean it. I think the new album is absolutely fantastic. I think it's it's your best record so far, um, and, and I can't wait to hear where you go next from this this new album. It's just yeah, the possibilities are are endless, really. Um, Dude, that means the world to us. I mean, you just listening to us for a long time because there's been so many little weird periods of kind of silence and inactivity, and the fact that 
you and other people like you still pay attention. Um, it, like, I wish I could buy everybody a pint who's, who listens to our <laughs> record and just be like, thank you. You know, like, thank you, seriously. Uh, Cause there's so much competition for your, you know, your time and your, your ears and attention and all of that stuff. So when somebody spends a couple minutes with our songs, I, I'm just like, what can I do for you? Can I, you know, how do I say thank you? So, uh, so thank you to you and to anybody else who takes the time to listen to, to even half a song. We really, really appreciate it. It's very cool. Yeah. Uh, well, good luck on the, the next kind of run of, of live shows. And um, we hopefully, hopefully see you over here at some point. Um, good luck with the album. Ritual Violence is out on the 7th of October on Candlelight Records. Um, links below to the band, to the, the band camp, all that sort of stuff, pre-orders, all that. I'll put all the links below so you can check them out. And uh, guys, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure here too. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. Pleasure is definitely ours. Yeah. Thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. Well, ladies and gents, that was our interview with the mighty Arm for Apocalypse. Ooh. What a bunch. I, I could guys. literally have just sat and spoken to them. Felt all night. like we were in the tour bus with them, Dave. <laughs> it really did. Yeah, the tour bus with I tell you what, the, I had a great time that night. <laughs> yeah, Kyle vanished. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, like the, the thing that kind of blew my mind is the fact that they one hundred percent remembered speaking to you back in twenty thirteen <laughs> yeah. in Glasgow, like yeah. as, as if it was yesterday. Yeah. So, and such a humble group of guys. Honestly, just uh, one of my favorite conversations we've done with an artist this year. Awesome, mm, for sure. Um, yeah, we've uh, we've got one more track to play for you on the podcast before we go, um, and the last single of the show comes from none other than Californian Sludge Metal Crew. <laughs> okay, we did this. Armed for Apocalypse, oh, wow. and We talked with the guys in depth about the new album Ritual Violence on the podcast. It's only fair that we close the show with our brand new single. <laughs> Of course, it's uh, Live Through the Storm, and uh, you can hear exactly why you should check this album out on the 7th of October. I, I hear word on the street is that this is Kyle's most anticipated album <laughs> for the rest of the year. So I've heard, yeah. Duncan, so I've heard. I don't, I, I don't know why you're speaking like that, Dave. I feel like that's <laughs> something we should all be happy about. You sound a bit angry there, Dave. You're right. <laughs> kind of getting a little bit red-faced there. I was, Look at this photograph. <laughs> <laughs> that's chilling out a wee bit actually Duncan thank there you there you go you're welcome um, check out uh, their new <laughs> album soothe the savage beast <laughs> ritual violence out on October 7th on candlelight records check that out you will not be disappointed and check the band out facebook.com forward slash arm for apocalypse and uh, show them some love stunning band check out the album when it drops I'm going to play their new single hope you dig it we'll be back for another podcast in a month's time until then, take care. Speak to you soon. Bye, everyone. See you later.